A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. David, what's for breakfast? Pancakes. Pancakes? What kind of pancakes? Pancakes. Uh, I use the uh, Bob's uh, Red Mill uh, gluten-free mix. And I don't do, we don't do the gluten-free mix because of gluten-free issues. We found, like, I, I, I think a couple of years back, I did a, like, oh, let me try going gluten-free for a, a couple of minutes. And I was like, I hate this. I love bread. Um, but we discovered the Bob's Red Mill mix during that time period, and it just produces the most beautiful pancakes. I augment them a little bit. I throw in a little bit of um, vanilla, a little bit of extra sweetener, a little bit of extra... Uh, oh, God, I always get baking soda and baking powder confused in my head, which... which. But anyway, the one that doesn't taste like... It's obviously not soda, it's baking powder, to make them fluffy a little bit. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, I am, uh, I am, my, my pancake game is strong. You've got hot cakes on your hot cakes. <laughs> you are, you love your word, your word games. I'm here thing. all night, guys. I'm here all night. <laughs> well, welcome to second breakfast, everyone, because it's just a, a lovely time of month. It's Christmas day. If you're a non-patron, it might be an earlier day if you're a patron, but Otherwise, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everyone, and uh, we, we're here for our second time to talk to our lovely patrons, and this time the public, but uh, normally just our patrons, so make sure you go to patreon.com slash the lorehounds if you want to get this lovely banter regularly. More puns are on the way, more wordplay on the way, um, and shout out to our three lore masters. This is our highest here on Patreon. We're so flattered that people do it at all. That's Samartian, Mark H., and Michael G. So thank you so much. And Mark H. has a special distinction because he converted ah. from the lower tier to the highest tier. Wow. And yeah, so In the cult of cool. Lorehound. That's right. Yeah, no, seriously, everybody who subscribes, um, thank you guys. Like, it's, it's a big deal for us to, to do this. So like, we're having a good time. And it's like, okay, well, we should probably put a Patreon up or whatever. And it's like, oh my God, we actually have subscribers. Like the people demand it. It's pretty cool. It. Yeah. It, it makes, it makes the, it helps us balance some things out too. Cause we do put a lot of time into the um, podcast. Yeah. So we, we care about the quality that we're putting out. And so having a Patreon kind of helps us 
with that kind of support. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. So David, what's going on in your, in your life really quick? What is going on in my life? We got a cat. A cat? What's the cat's yes. name? Odessa. Odessa. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's we got certainly her... very uh, white lotus. She... <laughs> she came from Odessa, Texas. Okay. Um, we, um, our daughter's been asking for a cat for a while now. She's seven. And um, uh, we wanted to wait until we got through the summer, and we had a bunch of work to be done in the house, and then I was gone for a while for a work thing. And then, um, so it's like, okay, well in the winter time and it's her birthdays in October. So it's like, okay, so that all kind of lines up. So we were looking around on petfinder.com and, um, there's like this huge network of like pet transport across the country. And so the, you know, this, we found the cat, we had to get a particular breed cause we have some allergies in the extended family and they transported the cat up on this, like, freedom run out of texas like in wow. this van full Planes, of other animals. trains and felines they're telling you they came right up the east coast uh, they stopped in our town and we picked her up and it's been great um we've been re- we're really happy uh she's a great cat she's very intelligent very affectionate a lot of fun our daughter is just over the moon happy so um that's our our big news uh other than that other than the holidays you know, very cool. Trying to survive, you know, the pre-holiday madness. Yeah, yeah. We have we have the appetizer of Thanksgiving before the yeah. madness of uh, the uh, Christmica this year. We have overlapping yes, uh, Christmas and Hanukkah. Completely. We celebrate both in in our household, as do we. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. We're, uh, we we are a dual Christmica podcast network. Christmica. Now, I always do it like if if Hanukkah comes first, I say Hanukkahmas. Oh. Um, rarely does it, but I guess you would have Thanksgiving or you could I don't know you could do that. Yeah, yeah. Giving, I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't very know. weird. I don't know. I'm it's making latkes way. either way. They are delicious. The trick to making good latkes is you have to get a little bit of knuckle skin in by the way you grate <laughs> the potatoes. That's really the uh-huh. the special oh, seasoning the there. Yeah, right. Yeah. I really want to get a tortilla press to squeeze the water out of my latkes. Ah, um, no, you got to, man, latkes do not taste the right way unless you have put painstaking labor into <laughs> getting them on. I think it's the salt, really. It's the salt from the sweat. Mm. It's, uh, right. that, that's what does it. Um, right. <laughs> but no, I, did I love you guys, good latke. Did you guys uh, do anything for Thanksgiving? Did you host? We hosted, we were having a kid in a few days, so we hosted mm-hmm. just my aunt, and we had a very chill Thanksgiving. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. We, we had some food. We had some fun times with the toddler, her last holiday as a, an only child. My only child. And now right. we have Obi-Wan was born. That's what I'm calling him on the podcast, so DM me if nice. you have an issue with it. Um, but it, Obi-Wan was born uh, last week, and we're, we're super happy with him. He's a big fan of the pod, he told me. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, we we couldn't be happier. Well, he's up at uh, three a.m. while you're editing uh, yeah, the podcast, yeah. so he's getting he's learning right from the master. Right, exactly, exactly. He'll be on the pod next year, probably. You know, once he's once well, he's up to talk in, in full sentences. Include him. <laughs> include one of his screeches. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, his, I mean, uh, if you're a long time listener of the Lorehounds, you'll you'll have heard my daughter's screeches already. Every now and right. then, she'll be like, <laughs> because she it's not even like a pained screech. She runs from one end of my house to the other going ah like having fun and i i tried to time our recording where she's asleep 
but every now and then we have to record when she's awake and that is when you will hear you know if you're eagle-eared you will just hear (laughs) yeah definitely heard that in the past fun times fun times all right uh john what um what are you watching these days? What's uh, that's uh, interesting and not worthy of podcast coverage? You know, I've said in the past I only watch Star Wars now. <laughs> that has never been more true. I mean, it was kind of a joke when it started, but uh, as I've mentioned, I'm up at 3 a.m. a lot now and uh, not always a podcast to edit. So I end up watching a lot of the Clone Wars series. I finished mm-hmm. Rebels. I talked about Rebels the last second breakfast. I finished Rebels. Had a blast, laughed, cried. I really did like almost cry like in one of the last few episodes. It was it was such a good last season. But uh-huh. um, Clone Wars is really great too. I mean, okay, what a feat for Dave Filoni to try to fix the prequel trilogy. Really? Well, basically, like George Lucas is an amazing ideas man, right? Uh huh. He just you know he, right out of his brain. You got Star Wars. You got all these ma- amazing worlds. You have. The Cantina Band, you have Luke Skywalker, you have Darth Vader, one of the coolest villains of all time, and then you have Darth Vader's origin story, where he is the weirdest inhuman character we mm-hmm. have ever seen. And so how do you turn Anakin Skywalker's fall to darkness into something that makes sense and that is actually tragic? Oh, well, you have a seven-season show where he actually develops his relationship with Padme, and where he shows himself as a hero in the Clone Wars and where maybe he does show his anger like he did uh, with the, uh, the Tusken Raiders it, at certain points. But mostly he's got a lot of heart and mostly he's a great, uh, you know, mentor to Ahsoka. You know, she's somebody who's completely new to the Clone Wars rather than in the, the original prequel trilogy. Just so many good lore bits. And like the way that they also humanize the clones and differentiate them and sort of show how they're not just these mindless soldiers. They're actually people who are wrestling with the fact that they are clones. Really amazing. So uh, you're, you're going to bring all this fire to the podcast? I am. I am. So when we talk about <laughs> Tales of the Jedi, that's going to that's gonna have all this. That's and and uh, awesome. with, with uh, Mandalorian, Bad Batch. Well, I, I don't know if we're doing Bad Batch, but we'll at least touch on it sometime. Uh, definitely Ahsoka. I'm going to have a lot to say about her after watching Clone Wars. So, I mean, she's one of the main characters. Right. So, very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. I'm having a blast with Clone Wars. I'm on season three right now. And um, I'm probably going to have it done by the time we do. I'm definitely going to have it t- done by the time we do Mando. But uh, I'm probably going to have it done by the end of the year, honestly. Wow. Well, yeah, it's a lot of late night feedings that you're it is. <laughs> getting your watching in. I, I talked about last time how I have my. Um, Kindle setup where I just hold it above my face. Yes. So because it's harder to read when you're feeding a newborn and I just like to have the show playing in the background. Now I put my phone there and I just have Clone nice. Wars playing and that is just, that's how I stay awake when I'm feeding the baby because you can't fall asleep and that's a no-go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So David, what nice. are you watching? Uh, I've got a few things on my list here. Um... We bailed on The Crown season five. Mm, not uh, good. We watched like one episode, the first episode, and we're just like, ah, uh, this is not it. I also kind of, I started 1899, and I think I've kind of gotten a couple of episodes in, and I'm, I'm, I was struggling. I, it's still going to be in my, in my queue. I'm going to try to catch up on it just from a, like, I just feel like I should be watching certain things just because they're part of the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. 
So um, I've been slow watching Atlanta, and that one is a total mea culpa. Like, I've just, it, it's never been, I, it's, it's always been very far on the edge of my radar, and it's always been something that I know I should be paying attention to. But I, I don't know, and it just never made it into my active viewing. And so I've started um, slow watching season one. And I'm enjoying it, and I'm really looking forward to catching up because everybody that I've heard talk about the f- season finale is, is uh, just loves it and and just has nothing but good things to say about the show. So I'm um, that's definitely on my radar. Uh, you kind of inspired me a little bit, so I've been picking up on the Bad Batch. I've nice, been probably nice. watching Bad Batch a little bit more than anything else because I feel like I should try to keep pace with you. Some, <laughs> well, I haven't know, watched the Bad degree. Batch yet, so you, so you can bring that. No, to the but table. I mean, just in the Star Wars ness that we should be, mm. you know, I feel like, well, if you're doing all this other stuff, at least let me catch up one of the peripheral shows. And I guess Bad Batch 2, season two is coming out. Yeah, so. yeah, January. And Bad Batch uh, is pretty much a direct continuation of the Clone Wars. So right. it's, it's interesting. I, I really wonder why they didn't just make it more Clone Wars seasons, because, I mean, I guess the Clone Wars are over, but still, I mean... They did wait several years between Clone Wars season five and six because the right. show basically got canceled and then Disney revived it for another couple seasons. Well, I'll, uh, I guess I'll, I'll have a few things to say when we get on to our actual Star Wars podcast about that. But yeah. then I have a, a surprise thing that I had never heard of before. Um, it's called The Sandbaggers. Okay. Uh, what did you it call is me? A beep- <laughs> exactly. Um, it is a um, British drama series from the late 70s. It's a British spy drama. And there's another guy out on the internet that I kind of follow a bunch of his stuff. His name's Matt Colville. I've mentioned him a couple times, I think, in the past. He's a, a D&D guy, and he does some Twitch streams. And uh, we, he's the same generation as me, so I feel... Like a lot of sort of Gen X kinship with him. And um, he's a very charismatic talker and he does some really cool streams when he talks about stuff. Anyway, he and he's notoriously fickle about his television. And he got into Andor and just loved it. And and which was like great because it was like yeah, uh, yeah. he's very he was very negative on all this sorry he just just doesn't watch television in the same way. Movies are a big medium for him. Um anyway he got into it and he's just like, oh this show reminds me Andor reminds me a lot of this of my favorite television show that I accidentally found when I was a kid just flipping channels, you know, back in the day when you had your set-top box and you had to turn the handle yourself. And um, it's a British spy drama uh, set during the Cold War. Um, I think there's like three seasons of it, and it's about this unit in the um, British uh, Secret Service. I forget if it's MI5 or MI6. I forget which one. Just like uh, baking soda or baking powder. Yep, yep. Um, um, but anyway, it's about this unit within the British CIA, the version, their version of the CIA, where they are these specialist agents who go out on the field and, and handle problems, and they're called sandbaggers. And the dialogue on this show is some of the snappiest, uh, most compelling uh, that I have dialogue that I have really? ever scene it is it blowing my socks off every time i i watch an episode that is quite an endorsement after this year and it is and i can see why this other guy was comparing it to andor because andor was carrying some of that same fire 
which was, you know, characters moving from their center, like, who am I? I'm the head of this division. I used to be one of these guys. Now I'm the boss of it. I care about my people. I have this, you know, messed up personal life, blah, blah, blah. And then like, oh, I'm confronted with a defector. I'm confronted with this Russian agent problem or whatever. And they bring they bring it from who they are, not because of the the plot points that the writers try to, to try to punch. You know, is that trying to punch the tickets? Sounds like a show that I and, know. It's uh, you might have heard of it. It's called the Clone Wars, where they have to <laughs> deal with a lot of these problems of like, how do you deal with a deserter? Things like that. So right, that's funny. That's funny. It's anyway. It's great, and it's it's uh, you can find it on YouTube. Um, there's you know sort of bootleg copies on it. I think if BritBox might have it. Um, anyway. It's just, um, it's knocking my socks off, and, and I, I just really love nice. it. Um, uh, it's very sharp uh, and punchy. Like, sometimes you, I feel like I got punched by, like, one of the characters, because the dialogue just stops you short. You're like, holy smokes. So, well, no, I, now I need to check this out. If you're telling me yeah. that this is better dialogue than anything you've seen this year, I mean, that's uh, quite 1978. the statement. 1978. 78. I'm not watching that. I'm a millennial. I, I don't I don't touch anything before the year I was born. Just kidding. Just kidding. I like classics too. But yeah. That's fun. So I'm I'm guessing you're not reading much. I'm not right now. I mean, I'm still working yeah. my way through um Iron Gold, which is part of the Red Rising series I've talked about. Uh, I think I talked uh-huh. about it last Second Breakfast. It's basically like the expanse, but it has like it's a little bit more fantastical and it's uh it has like a little bit of a hunger games vibe at some point it's kind of past that at this point because there's time jump but um it's it's a good it's a good book i just haven't been that inspired to read right now because i'm a little sleep deprived and i read a lot at work yeah but yeah no no i'm watching more stuff i'm i am watching stuff besides star wars too like i'm watching dairy girls right now that is so we started that too it's so funny you like it yeah, we we like it uh, definitely. It's it's it, I I can't believe how good the dialogue is. Like you're like mm-hmm. you're saying, what is it with all of a sudden TV writers can write dialogue? I feel like they couldn't for like <laughs> years and years. Well, because the studio they finally got the studio you know off their backs a little bit and give them get, you know they have some room to do what they do right. Yeah, yeah. Instead of getting notes all the time and and having the executive producers override <laughs> their their decisions. Anyway, that's a, another topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started a rewatch of Severance because my mother-in-law was staying with us during the birth and uh, she was liking that. So I was watching that with them. And How is that uh, holding up on a second watch? I think it's even better the second watch. Like just catching stuff that okay. you didn't catch the first time. Nice. You know, we, we've talked a lot about mystery boxes and like mm-hmm. when they work and when they don't work. I think that White Lotus is a good example of a show where they can work every season because it's an anthology series. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't think that Severance will be great the second season if there's another similarly sized mystery box. But if they can up the stakes for me, then I will be sold. Um, right. I, I've, I have it highly ranked on my top 10 list that we're going to discuss later. So we'll, we'll get there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I had, I, going into 1899, knowing that it's a mystery box, I was like a little bit, ugh, like I got to, you know... I got to do the work of like the setup and like, you know, get vested in the characters. Like it just felt 
like it wasn't fun. Like it, like seeing dark for the first time was just like, oh, what is this? Oh my god! Whoa, it's a mystery box. Oh no way! Whoa, what's going on? Whereas like going into eighteen ninety nine, I I wasn't inspired in that way. Yeah. Um, and Severance had the same thing, right? It was just like out of nowhere, here's this thing, and it was compelling and a mystery box. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting because I I think that we've talked about this on the Bulb of Discords. I don't I don't remember who said this first, but I think it might have been Josh the Black. So if I'm misattributing it, right in. Um, I think that mystery boxes, as Josh, Josh the Black said, work really well for first seasons and standalones. Uh huh. And because yeah, yeah. because it works really well to like introduce a world. It does not work really well to maintain a world, and that's why Westworld season one is a masterpiece. Westworld season two is like, what the hell am I watching? I would agree. Uh, it, it except Dark was able to success. Did you watch Dark? I did not. Oh, okay. Well, it was successful. I think it was three seasons, if I remember right. Let me look that up. Um, and they were able to sustain it, but they knew. I think they knew. They knew exactly where they were going and how they were going to get there. Um, and I think that helped because you felt compelled to move along. Okay. You knew that this was a closed, closed mystery box, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is like, I think that having a mystery box over several seasons does not work. Yeah, Three seasons. Because it is right. just exhausting. It, right. it really just is after a while. It's like, all right, just give me the answer right now. Like, did they really need to yeah, keep the yeah, secret yeah. of the Walking Dead's virus alive for like however many 11 seasons? Like, no, they mm -hmm. did not. That was a stupid way to do it. What you need to do with a mystery box is you need to solve it and then change the stakes. That's right. when you can have a new mystery box when the stakes are changed. Right. Well, we got way deeper on that than I thought we would. <laughs> what are you playing, David? Well, not a lot right now. December has been, uh, this month has been a little bit crazy. We were... You know, I talked last month about my Numenera role-playing game, and I did get some great feedback from Dennis, who's one of our uh, Patreon members, as well as one of the Discord mods on the Bald Move server. And uh, he's a big uh, Numenera player. And so he, he DM'd me, and he, he blew up my DMs. He was like, oh my god, oh, I'm so excited, and like, hey, I've got all these, uh, you know, I was like, oh great, give me some points, pointers and tips, and so we were back and forth about that for a bit. Nice. But um, December is just, was a little, end of November and December was a little too crazy. So I kind of pushed it off, and then one of the other guys in our, our role-playing game group um, has said, hey, you know, I've got a, 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 something I'd like to run, if you need a little bit more time. And I was like, yeah, that would be great. And then he had to, um, uh, we had to reschedule because he has some stuff and we were going to play something tomorrow night, but I've had to reschedule because things are a little crazy. So he is going to run us through this gumshoe. It's the gumshoe rules again, but it's a call of Cthulhu. And it's like, you know, uh, uh, 1940s era mystery stuff. Uh, so we're going to play next week, I think, on Tuesday. Nice. Very cool. And then I was going to do a one-off tomorrow night, but we had... Oh, wait. You know, this is all uh, pre-recorded, isn't it? <laughs> it's okay. You can, you can talk. Yes. You can pretend that we're in the past. Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, I was going to run... So the same guy, Matt Colville, that I was talking about before... His uh, his company is called MCDM, and they are putting out a big new monster book called Flea Mortals. So it's very cool. Ooh. And they they did a Kickstarter, 
And rather than waiting for the Kickstarter to, you know, after the Kickstarter closed, and then, you know, you wait like a year to get your book or whatever, they started designing everything and they grouped, they're doing like 300 some odd monsters and they have this really unique design, innovative design for running monsters in a D&D world. Okay. Um, they, they have a design principle called action-oriented, which is very different. Um, and they're mo- a lot more usable and a lot more fun to, to, to run as the, you know, to throw at your players. And they, they're, rather than waiting for the, um, everything to be done, then binding it and shipping it out, they're releasing the PDF packets as they go. So they're like, okay, we got this first hundred group of monsters done. Backers, you can download your packet now and start running, you know, these things. And one of the things that they've learned in their past Kickstarters was that when you're doing rule sets and customized rules for big role-playing games, people can't uptake them immediately. Oh, here's a new custom class character, or here's a new, you know, scenario. People are in the middle of games, right? And, and so they can't just bring in the new material right away. Right. And so what they just started doing was, was like, well, we want people to get juice out of these right away. We, they gave us a lot of money. We want to give them some value for that money. We're, we're excited about the designs that we're doing. That's why they backed it. So let's give them something. So in all the packets that they're doing now, the, the staged release packets, they're releasing with the monster stat blocks. They're also releasing uh, playable scenarios that are really designed as sort of one shot, literally one shot thing, almost board game like scenarios. Um, that use the D&D rules and, and everything. But it's like, here's a little thing where like you play a bunch of giants and you guys have all decided that you're going to um, you know, rampage this town and whoever gets this, the, the biggest score wins uh, this prize that's at the center of this town. Nice. So it's all D&D stuff, but it's scenario built in a way so that you could just play it for fun on the spot and use the material that they've given you in that packet. And then they give you all the supporting material. They give you all the little scenario building rules. They give you the um, uh, digital maps. So if you're using Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds or whatever it is, you can load all those assets right in and you can just pick up and play these things. So um, I'm going to run a scenario for my group. I was supposed to run one for this week, but I had to cancel because it's too crazy. But I'm still excited to, to, to run one of these things. So um, I think next week we're playing the Call of Cthulhu. So cool. that's sort of what's happening in my, my game playing world. Uh, it's a, it's a, a lot's happening, but nothing's happening. It's kind of strange. Yeah. No, I mean, that, <laughs> what about that you? all sounds really cool. I've, you mentioned Dennis. I've, I've actually played a couple tabletop games online with Dennis and the Bald Move. Oh, yeah? A Bald Move, uh, you know, if I could plug this for a second, has a tabletop group that meets uh from time to time so uh dennis is generally the liaison for that the organizer so okay. i would i would dm him if you want involved with that but he you know dennis is really fun to play with i just haven't had time to hop in with them in a long time but sure. uh what what i'm playing i guess right i'm still doing video games i, I don't do a lot of tabletop but i'm playing a right. game called vampire survivors and oh, that's new it is first of all it's like five bucks if you buy it on steam it is so uh-huh. cheap. And it's also on Xbox Game Pass. And I think there's a free mobile version that is the full game. It just has ads. Right. And it is the easiest game to start. And it is the hardest game to master. And it is so fun. David, you should honestly try this because 
All right. It's a one, you, you use two buttons. You use the one stick to move around, and then you select with, like, the A button what bonus you want, what power you want. So, quick question. I'm, I am a, I'm a techie guy, right? Okay. I do, I, I got my dual monitors and all my stuff, whatever. But I'm not a game techie guy. So, like, if I'm, can I play this on... A desktop, and can I get? Yeah. Do, do they sell controllers that are like Bluetooth or something? Oh yeah, I mean you could you could buy the Steam controller. You can even buy like an Xbox controller and either plug it in with uh-huh. USB C or they have a stick that you can get. Okay. Um, right. But it's I, I believe Vampire Survivors is on PC and Mac, and you could you could also just okay. play it mouse and keyboard. Okay, um, which it's fine because it's it's a two D game. You literally just move in the directions away from the monsters, and you okay. basically pick up different powers. As you level up, as you pick up gems, and your goal is just to survive as long as you can. It's I'm looking at some of the screenshots. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> stupidly fun. It's it's like okay. looking at it, you're like, oh, this is like a stupid game from the nineties or something like that. But then you play it. Looks it looks very eight bit. Yeah, yeah. And then you play it and you're like, oh my God, this is my game of the year. I think I played like twenty hours of it in the last two weeks. And Good I Lord. I I it's just because I have it like on my handheld. Uh-huh. I have it on my Steam Deck, and it's it, it's just so easy to like spend a half hour doing while you're doing something else, you know? Crazy. It's it's so fun. We've actually been chatting it on it uh, on the Bald Move Discord and the gaming channel. How like I think Viama was like skeptical about it, and then uh-huh. we said, "No, you got to try it." And he's like, "Oh my uh-huh. god, I've been playing all night. Like it's just it's the <laughs> most addicting game. It's insane. It's hard to hit that sweet spot, isn't it? Right? Yeah. To to create a game like like that that has enough depth that keeps you interested, but then also has the shortest time to um, learn the controls and the gameplay and and actually go you know jump in and start playing because it's literally just moving around. You don't even like push to shoot or anything. All your weapons okay. are automatic. Well, oh really? Yeah, it's it's literally one button. It's just it's wow. just a stick or or you could do you know wasty. You could do the the mouse right. and keyboard. But it's right. so fun. It's uh, it's again like this guy was a one person developer who uh-huh. was like, I'm just gonna have fun and make this, and he put it out on Steam on early access. Which I know, I know you're not a big gamer, uh, video gamer. Right. So like, basically, you can put things out on Steam and say like, Hey, I'm working on this, but if you want to support me while I'm doing it, buy the oh, game, cool. and I'll keep pushing updates. Kind yeah. of a little Patreon-y, Kickstarter-y kind of uh, yeah, yeah. thing. Except yeah, it's a one time cool. thing, and and then they All right. basically it's like a soft promise to keep updating. And Keep this guy, cool. when when he released it, it got so popular that he quit his day job. He spent a year like nice, really going dream. on it, and okay. he, they did the full release like a month ago or something like that. And it was nice. it's been just like a wild success. And it's five bucks. Like I can't get over that. Games nowadays are sixty or seventy dollars, brand new. Right. And this right. is a five dollar game, and I played it more than most of my sixty dollar games. Wow. So he he really did it. He he he's living his dream then. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Very cool stuff. Uh, also, I streamed the other night on our new Lorehounds Twitch, so I guess yeah, I'll plug that here. Yeah, was that? It was fun. I was, we, I couldn't, sorry I couldn't drop in. I, it was family night. I was hanging out with my yeah, spouse yeah. and, you know. No worries. But yeah. was it, was it fun? It was fun. We only had a few people because it was, you know, last minute. I just sure, tweeted yeah. it out on the Lorehounds Twitter. But if you go to twitch.tv slash the Lorehounds, you'll find us. If you want to subscribe. Uh, or follow us rather, then you'll get a notification when we're live. So um, I think I'm going to do, do that more? again. What'd you say? Uh huh. 
You're going to do some more? I think I'm going to do some more. I was playing Jedi Fallen okay. Order, which is a Star Wars uh -huh. game that is in the canon now. It's like right. it's like actually it's it takes place between, you know, Revenge of the Sith and uh, A New Hope. So it is another like Imperial era game and it follows this uh Jedi who was a Padawan who narrowly escaped Order 66 and basically is forced into trying to rebuild Jedi Order. Okay. And uh, he's also played, he's played by... That the, sounds like the start of, uh, almost sounds like the start of Bad Batch, because that's something oh, really? that happens in the Bad Batch. Yeah, is that uh, Padawan gets away. Okay. Okay. What's his name? I don't remember. It's the first episode, okay. and I was really suffering through the first episode of the okay. Bad Batch, because it was like, wow, this is like... This is for I'm. This is not my demographic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's now gotten more interesting as I've gotten you know six, seven episodes in. Right. Uh, but that first episode is like, oh boy, I gotta just make it through this. Yeah. Uh, well, but yeah, when, there's when some first start, Padawan that that spoilers. Uh, the the <laughs> Padawan gets away, and that's part of the whole crux of what the Bad Batch and and what they're dealing with. I will say, when you first start Star Wars animation, you're like, what the hell is this style? I yes. I don't <laughs> understand. Especially the Clone Wars style was like really jarring to me, uh -huh. and even Rebels like looks so kid like. But yeah. the thing with Clone Wars, and I think I hope that this carries over into Bad Batch too, is that like they started making it as a kid show. So like the first season is pretty kiddy. And then they were right. like, oh, I think the grownups are watching this because they wanted more of this era. And so, like, right. it gets to way more mature themes as you keep going. But anyway, I'm back on Clone Wars again, David. You, you brought me back. Um, <laughs> Jedi Fallen Order hard? is really fun. Yeah, I, I could talk about Clone Wars all day. But uh, Jedi Fallen Order is really fun. It's a good gameplay. It's, uh, it's been compared to the Dark Souls games. I don't know if you've heard of those. But, I've heard of those, and I, I knew some people who played and who were very into them at, yeah, one, yeah. at one point. It's not that it's as challenging, because there's actually a difficulty slider, but it's um, the same thing of, like, a really well-developed world where you have to, like, figure out how to get from point A to point B. Um, it's, it's just so much fun. Like, the Jedi powers are just a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's one of the better Star Wars games I've played. That's mostly what I'm playing, though. I'm not doing a ton of other gaming. Because because it, it's just so easy to pick up Vampire Survivors and right. just play for like ten minutes, and you have short snippets of time where you, you got to be able to put down right in a moment whatever it is you're right. doing, reading, watching, or playing. Right. Well, that's why I like I like Home Wars. They're like fifteen minute episodes, and wow, I like okay. Vampire Survivor. I have it on my Steam Deck, so I can literally just click standby and be done. So right. That's why I I, I lean towards these games where I can pop in and out. Where you can jump up and change the diaper and then get back to playing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll say this. I could, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to talk about parenting now. I could do the newborn stage for years. It is the easiest right. thing it in is. the world. It really is. They sleep yeah. 20 hours a day. And, and if you think yeah. I'm exaggerating, Google this. They sleep like 20 hours a day if you've never had a kid. And they just, they, you just got to feed them and change them. It's like the, and then you, you burp them too. They're, not, they're remember, barely awake. When our daughter was born, um, I took her in, uh, you know, after, I don't know, you know, like five or six months, you know, when they can, when it's, it's more okay to take them around outside. I would take her into like meetings and like people in the office were like, oh, baby, oh, and, you know, they would descend and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do this meeting like quick. I'll be back in like 20 minutes and like baby's fine. Right. Like, oh, I'm going to meet, oh, I'll meet you at the coffee shop. Okay, cool. You know, they're in the stroller. You just rock them. Yeah. It's totally. Yeah. Infant stage is like piece of cake. It's <laughs> four, three, four, and five, I think, were the hardest. Now, toddlers are war criminals. Let's just be yes. honest. 
um, they they should be banned in the Geneva Convention. They should just uh, no. It's I I love my daughter, but she throws things in my house all day and yells, and right. uh, so that's why I'm saying like I could do to- I could do the newborn stage forever. The toddler right. stage is way harder. I'm really looking forward to the day where my daughter can like be reasoned with. Because <laughs> uh-huh. right now she she is uh, she is growing up a lot, like she is talking more and things like that. But it's just like the the logic is not there yet. Right. Yep. So just pure animal. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so the the newborn stage, like I'm 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 good with that, and uh, my my wife and I split feeding, so I at least sleep a few hours a night, and uh, yeah. we're we're having a good time here. I think it, I remember it was like after we hit the two year mark. Where we felt as parents like, okay, we're we're doing okay here. Like we've got this handled. We're not complete idiots. We haven't, you know, <laughs> we haven't, you know, killed our. I don't want to talk about that, but like, you know, just like we've survived, right? And our child has survived, so yeah, that's yeah. that's great. And then I think it was for at least for us when we hit the two year mark and she started sleeping really well through the night, and we didn't, we weren't so you know worried about stuff. Uh, as just being first-time nervous parents, once that sleep came back, and once we heal, we felt that confidence of like, okay, we're we're figuring this out. This is okay. Things just changed for us. I mean, I know you. This is number two for you, but yeah. you know, I'm just remembering those times where it's like, oh, okay, sleep. Yeah, this is a good thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like my mental state is different now. Yeah, like okay, I'm more happy. I'm way less anxious with number two. I'm, I just, yeah, I, I, and I've heard people talk about this before. You just feel like you know what yeah. you're doing a little bit. You know, you're like, I didn't, exactly. I didn't screw up the first kid too much, so I guess I can, exactly uh, right. I can, I can do this again. Yeah, cool. So anyway, David, we've got some listener feedback. We do. So we have two questions. One of them was sent in minutes before we hit record, which is just, <laughs> this was a sign that we were meant to do this tonight. Before we um, get to the questions, I guess we could just say that what we're going to do for um, patrons, uh, sometime around the beginning of a month, we will post a uh, message on the Patreon, Patreon page, um, teeing up the questions for that month. And then that way you guys can respond to that if you have any, any kinds of questions at all. You know, if you want to ask us questions about, you know, what we do, or if you have a comment about something that we're playing, or if you've got a hot take on a show that we have talked about, um, anything, this is your time to interact with us. And um, if you want to ask us life advice? I mean, I don't know that you'd want to take it. Don't take but it. Like, you know, don't take don't it. Don't marry but whatever him. it no, is, I- <laughs> this is your opportunity to... Um, uh, engage with us and and uh, yeah, so we're we're happy to to take whatever questions, thoughts, ideas, things you want to share, games you want to plug, movies that you might have seen that you thought were really cool, whatever it is, you know, throw it onto that thread, and then uh, we'll pick them up for the recordings. Very cool. You could also send to lorehounds at the lorehounds dot com if you yes. want to get that in via email. But we are more likely to see it if it's on that Patreon post. On the Patreon, yep, easier for us to harvest. Yep. Okay, so our first question comes from longtime lore master, Samartian. Not sure if this is too late and not really a question. Just wanted to thank you for your awesome addition to the Bald Move Podcast Network and love, love, love your Tolkien and White Lotus coverage. We'll go back to listen to your White Lo- uh, to your Wheel of Time big fan season one coverage if you do it. I'm super excited to watch season two with you all. Happy holidays to you and yours. Hey, thanks, Samartian. 
Thank you, Samartian. Happy holidays to you as well. Really appreciate the support. I'm really excited to talk Wheel of Time. So I, okay. I and it does look like we might do season one. It's looking more likely that we're going to do full coverage of season one lately. Well, I don't want to out um, Dennis just yet, but I think he's got a plan for some season one stuff he's in preparation up. of. Yeah, he's got some cooking. So Dennis, whenever you're ready, you know you got the Lorehounds got your back on the Discord. And uh, we'll definitely dovetail our plans with whatever you want to have going on. But uh, I saw, John, there was like some more, like, they were doing something in Brazil. India. And then you said something. And no, they did something in Brazil. Oh, no. For sure. Can they just like be straightforward with the world? Like, hey, we're coming out on March 17th. You know, like, (laughs) that's the date. You know what? That's my hot take today. (laughs) It's coming out December. Give us a date. March 17th. They had a similar uh, pattern with Lord of the Rings. I mean, we had a date, but they did these big international things. I think it's really interesting that Amazon is going for intentionally a very global market, and they're doing these red carpet galas in all these other markets. And I think that's really cool. And give us a date. <laughs> like just TBD. Yes. TBD is the date. Um, but you were getting some scuttlebutt about maybe early 2023? Yeah. It sounds like they announced in India, like, early 2023 is Wheel of Time. So okay, here's, here's something I'm worried about. They have said that they want to do eight seasons for Wheel of Time because it's 14 books. Okay. It's a lot of, uh, yeah. it's a lot of, a lot of material. How are yeah. they going to get these actors for 16 years of their lives if they're going to do Oof. a two-year time frame? Right. They're not going to be able to do that. So either they're going to cut some things or they got to speed this up. That is a that would be a long run for a show like that. I don't know how. I mean, what did uh, what did um, uh, Walking Dead get up to? Eleven. Yeah. So so that's they're a, and longer than like eleven years too because it breaks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's tough. Yeah. We're we're hoping that they can at least. I mean, they've got to get to the the events of the last book. If they don't do that, then the whole thing is just sure. moot. Sure. But how? And and I will say this: most of in most of what's in books like eight through eleven can be cut. Eight through okay. ten, I'll say. Right. So. Well, we, we we'll had that see. cool interview with Michael Livingston, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was super cool. Um, I I hope to have loved him back. having him on there. Yeah, I I, yeah. I hope he can come back on something else. But he's he was a fascinating guy. I loved his defense of fantasy as a as a um, mm-hmm. genre that should be subject to academic criticism and discussion. So really cool interview. If you missed that, please go back and listen to it. Um, I think it's interesting, even if you don't like the Wheel of Time. So cool. So guy. I did not get get the um, origins of Wheel of Time for my bald move uh, Secret Santa gift. Mm. I got the complete originals. Um, I got the Star Trek original series, the complete series on uh, DVD, which is oh, very cool. Well, that that is very cool. 25 discs of OG goodness. 25. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's a huge thing. I, um, I wanted to have, I, I'm, I've been on a DVD collecting kick recently. So whenever we go to thrift shops and use furniture places or whatever that have them, I always, pr- I just take a few minutes. I don't, t- I don't go too long. And I just kind of peruse a shelf or two of DVDs and just look for things 
that I might want that I don't want to depend on streaming for. Well, David, so expect a like, couple large boxes at your house in a couple <laughs> no, days. No, 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 no. Because I need no, to get no, rid no. of some stuff, and I'm just going to hand uh, them to you now. No. I, no I'm filtering. very selective, very, very careful about my picks. Do you I like 80s them? kung fu uh, movies? <laughs> no. <laughs> I do, actually. I do actually okay. like them. I like. I used to watch, with my grandpa, like Jet Li movies and Bruce Lee movies. Okay. Uh, sure. it's, oh, man. I, I, we used to have a great time. I mean, I like seventies kung fu movies, but yeah, the, yeah. From, well, that's, that's yeah. That's, era, there's so. there's your Bruce Lee right there. There's your generational thing. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. No, I like I do like Jet Li. I do like Jet Li. He was he was pretty mm-hmm. cool for a while, though. He's made some weird movies too, right? But no, that's 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 fun that you got those DVDs. I actually watched a bunch of the original series. I want to say early this year because uh-huh. my daughter seemed to be entranced by Spock. Like oh, every time he came on the screen, she just stared oh. at the screen in amazement. Okay. <laughs> and I, I don't, don't know, know why. About. Yeah. All right. Roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So I I, I want to go back eventually. I, I did enjoy uh, Captain Kirk and, and Spock and all them, but I just haven't had the chance. I'm Again, I, I only watch Star Wars now, so I can't cheat on, on right. my Star Wars with some Star Trek right now. Well, that's a long way around of saying that I didn't get that Wheel of Time book, but I am... <laughs> we got back. Yeah, I, 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 well, that's the nature of Second Breakfast, right? It's um, true. I, I do plan, though, any Christmas monies that I, I harvest or reap this year, um, that's probably one of my top picks to get uh, for myself, is to have that ready so that I can um, follow along as we do season two of, of the show. It's a super good book. I mean, I, I read the whole thing before we did the interview, and uh, I, yeah. I had to binge it just because of the timing of the interview. But it was a great read. Like, it, he That's cool. really breaks down Jordan's life. And, and it's pithy. I like that word, pithy. That's great. Um, pithy. It's, it's, it, you could go on for volumes about what he wrote about, but instead he wrote it in like 100-something pages for the prose part, and then the rest is okay. references. Nice. Cool. Well, I de- that's definitely on my list of, of things I want to get myself. So Nice. All right, next question. Andrew K. He says, I know the guys over at Bald Move have done an empire business discussing the business details of their operation. I know it might be a little early to dive into this in full with you all, but I'd love to hear more about how much time it takes to review, record, edit, etc. for shows and some of the high and low points that come from running a podcast such as yours. Thanks for the great content. Keep up the good work. Oh, thanks, Andrew. Uh, yeah, interesting. And, uh, in fact, we, we kind of are planning a little bit on the second breakfast podcast to touch base on some of those things, especially like when we're mulling around different projects and shows that we might cover. Um, the lore of the hounds here, you know, there was another question. There was actually, was it that podcast was the Apple podcast review that was asking a little bit more about us? Like we got a five-star review from this person. But then they were also like a little bit interested on some more of the behind the scenes, you know, curtainy stuff. So I, I don't know. We can we can definitely talk about that. Um, I think the easy part, because I don't have to do it, is recording. Well, I mean, I do have to do the recording. That that's the easy part. The hard part, which I don't have to do, is editing, and that's John's <laughs> department. Because you actually trained as an audio engineer. I did. That was my first career. As I was an audio engineer, I used to do more live sound. Uh, but, but yeah, no, it, it did work out when we started a podcast, like, oh, I have all the software that I need and I know how to use <laughs> so, it. 
<laughs> so Andrew, this to, to, to your point, one of your kind of a, a tertiary point to your question is when I pit, when I DM'd uh, John back in, I think, February of this year, 2022, and I said, hey, like, do you want to do something? Because you were doing the read-along for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, hey, do you want to do something maybe on the the Discord server? We could use the new stages feature. And I'd been wanting to podcast for a while. Uh, for and I, I listen, I'm a big audio listener. I've, you know, just grown up with like NPR in my ear and listening to Fresh Air and like all this kind of stuff. So it's just sort of a vibe that I, I really enjoy. And so I was looking to do something for a long time, been thinking about podcasting. And then when I pitched John and you were like, oh yeah. And I can edit, and I'm like a professional editor because I went to school for this shit. I was like, no way, this is crazy. And then you <laughs> came up with the Lorehounds title, and like it was just like lightning in a bottle. Um, and it was, it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, I don't think we could, without what you do, John, I don't think this podcast would be nearly as success, successful as it has been because you put so much effort into the audio editing. Well, I appreciate it, David, but don't sell yourself short. I mean, you do most of our outlining these days, <laughs> uh, yeah. which, which helps me a tremendous amount because I, I like to just ramble about these things. I like to I like to think that I, I end up on the Aaron scale sometimes of just like you get me to a place Bimbling. and then I can just <laughs> what'd you say? Bimble. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's a, a British word called bimble. Oh, I don't know it. What does it mean? Yeah, it just it just means to do exactly that. You get. You go somewhere and you just sort of ramble around. Yeah, yeah. No, it's nice that that you like will get us grounded to a place and then I could just like color it a little bit. So right. I, I yeah. really appreciate that. And I think that our, our styles have worked well together thus far. It's pretty wild. So um, more to Andrew's question, like say with um, an episode of White Lotus, which was a little bit more difficult of a show to um, make an outline for. But I literally will spend two hours, um, an hour and a half to two hours, breaking down an episode and writing my notes. And then, like when I do the readback, or if John does the readback of the plot, you know, of the scene where we break it down, you might hear like five or six words or two sentences or something like that. But that's because we've taken that scene and tried to boil it down to its essence. And then just give that one little statement or two sentence thing clue that not only highlights the importance of that um, scene, but and and triggers your memory, the listener's memory, and then just gives us enough context to bounce around with our ideas um, and think about. It. So you know that we're lucky that we have Google Docs because that just makes this whole thing work. We can kind of. Um, copy our previous outline from another show. So our intros are mostly done. We tweak them up a little bit. Our outros, you know, then we cut and paste some feedback. But it's really that scene by scene breakdown that takes the bulk of the time. And that can take easily an hour and a half to two hours. You know, you've got one window open with uh, the video playback, you know, whatever platform it is. And then another window, you've got a, you know, Google Doc and trying to write that stuff down. Um, it can get pretty complex. Um, but not nearly, I tried and try doing some editing the other day, some audio editing, uh, it, and it flummoxed me. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to talk about some of your editing process, John. 
Sure. Um, so you want to lift up your skirt, show us all <laughs> what's uh, what goes on. Sure, sure. Um, uh, yeah. So once we're done recording, usually we record for you know a, a couple hours, and I'll end up with raw audio files for me and David. I line them up in Pro Tools. That's the software I use to edit. I use Logic to make our theme songs because it just has easier synthesizer things. But, right, and we should say that all of our theme songs are are originals by John. That's true. That's true. I probably spent the most time on the first one. I probably spent like four hours on the first one, on the, the Lord of the Rings Lord one. Lord of the Rings ones. And then that after that one, I, I kind of can use it as a template after that. Like I have the synthesizers ready. So now they take me like maybe an hour or two because I right, just cause have Right, because we have the... We have the Lorehound sound now. Right, right. So now I basically just like change the melody, do the chords and things like that. And I, like I said, I went to music school. So it's a, it's a skill set that I have that I, I don't have to learn, which is nice. Uh, so anyway, so after recording, I take that. I, I, or I usually just reopen the last podcast that we did. I do a new save as and I delete our old audio, our old voices. I line it up. I use a bunch of plugins i use a de-breather which basically like cuts <sighs> off yeah yeah so it's like a gate where if you're below a certain volume and in a certain frequency range it will zero the volume you know and so it it gets rid of most of the breaths now it doesn't catch all of them and like sometimes you do want a breath for dramatic uh effect so i have to keep an eye on that and i still have to listen to everything but so I use that. I use a, a a plugin called X Clarity, I believe it's called, that removes any like hum from computers and things like that. I do a basic EQ. I use a limiter on the full mix. Um, I don't think I use anything else on the plugins on anything. Then anyway, so then I go through, I take out all our little snafus where we say weird like phrasing or something like that. And I have to listen to the whole thing. I'd say all in all, takes me about two hours for each hour of finished product. So it's, you know, it's a two to one. So if it's a, if you're listening to a two hour White Lotus podcast, I probably spent four hours editing it. <laughs> Have we had any two hour uh, White Lotus podcasts? I don't think so. Uh, I think right. hour and a half usually. And then, right. you know, but, well, I mean, uh, and or season wrap was like two and a half hours. Right. Yeah. So that was a whole, <laughs> it was like a whole day of editing. <laughs> But that's all right. That's all right. We have fun with it anyway. And then so I bounce that, which takes forever now because the plugins are heavy duty. So it, it won't do a speed bounce. And then I send that over to Jim over at Bald Move. And with some show notes and some uh, ad slots, I have to uh, note where we have to have breaks where ads can be put in for the public feeds. And then that gets published from the Bald Move side. Although that that process might change in a in a little bit where we're figuring out if we can do our own publishing, but TBD on that. Yeah. Yeah. So all in all, it's, it is actually quite a lot of work that I don't think people really realize like, Oh, just jump on some mics and record. Um, there's a, there's a lot. I mean, if you want to, there's a lot of podcasts out there that are, are that, and they don't do a lot of editing and they don't do a lot of analysis. I mean, we're still, developing and and thinking and working and trying to figure out how we want to do stuff. Um, But we do want to provide that extra value and and really think about a show and break it down and then just really have a good high quality sound too. Because if I think that's the thing that'll turn me off of podcast quicker than anything is if the audio doesn't sound good, 
I'll, I'll, I will be more than likely to stop listening. Um, now, if the content is good and the audio is bad, I might suffer through. But then if, they, if I hit a rough patch with a podcast and their audio is bad, I drop quick. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I can't listen to bad audio. Yeah, and I, I will tell you, the things that bother me so much that are the reasons that it takes me so long is I can't deal with mouth clicks, and I can't deal with, <laughs> like, other, like, snort noises and things like that. So, the, so I take all those out. Um, the filler words, so this is a light touch edit that you're listening to right now, because Second Breakfast is supposed to be more conversational and light, but normally I take out some filler words, like ums and you know, and, and, and so, so, so things like that, but, um, things like that. And we've gotten better now. Yeah, no, 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 no. It, it's so much better now that we have practice. <laughs> we yeah. used to be like, um, every other word. And now it's, it's much less. Right. And then that's a skill that you have to develop and it takes practice and takes time. I listen to our podcasts back, I'll listen to them at least two times each. Usually one, if, if, the, if John gets an edit done quick enough, I'll listen to the pre-published without any ads or anything like that, just as a raw download. I use Overcast, so I can go to the Overcast webpage and upload it into my thing, and I can listen to it um, that way. But then I definitely listen to the published one to hear the kinds of ads that we're getting and how that all uh, sounds. But I'm also listening to myself. How's my phrasing? What did you know? Did I stumble a lot? Um, why did I stumble? Because oh, maybe it's something that I didn't know that I was. I was talking about something that I didn't have a, my thoughts formulated. Um, so it, it, I, we we try to put a lot of effort into the quality of publication that we're putting out, so that you guys are listening to something that I'd want to listen to, or that John would want to listen to. So we're trying to measure a standard there. And that takes a lot of effort and a lot of time. Right. And it's also like we're working on what's our identity as part of the Bald Move Network yeah. that is yeah. not Jim and Aaron. That is a, a line that we have to walk. Of right. We don't want to copy Jim and Aaron. We want our own identity. But we also like their format of doing the recaps. So yeah. how do we sort of take that and make it our own flavor? I, I like to think that we've done a good job of doing that with our like lore segments and our sort of funneling of information. But, you know, we're always welcoming feedback on that, too. I mean, you know, let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't. We're here. We also, like, I listen to a lot of other uh, podcasts, like uh, Post Show Recaps, Dave Chen, The Ringer, um, House of Podcastica. Um, I listen to a lot of stuff, and I'm, I sample as well uh, other things. Everyone's like, at one point with Andor, I just went out and just like, okay, Search for Andor, see what all they are, and then like listen to the first five minutes or so of of all these different podcasts to hear what other people are doing. And I like, I think one of the things that I like about the bald move thing is this is like we're not hypey, we're not drive yes. time radio, yes. and we're not trying to be clever and kitschy. We're just straight and clean and but interesting and compelling. And um, I think we, I think bald move. Uh, and us as copying Bald Move and trying to match them in that tenor, I think we occupy a really good space in there, and we offer something that's um, that I'm happy to listen to. Because um, I've listened, yeah, like I said, I listen to a lot of different podcasts, 
and I like our our style and our vibe and our tone. And also, we do different kinds of podcasts, right? Like the yeah. Second Age stuff was very scripted. Like we didn't yeah, totally script it. It was it was an outline, but yeah, I, I get like you said, it's intentionally scripted because we're dealing with really dense information. And how do we get all these bullet points down? I I, I browse the Bald Move Reddit sometimes, and I saw a post at some point where they were like. Is it just me or do the lore hounds sound kind of scripted? And I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, we were at first. You know, that's just yep. like what we were trying to do. But I think as we moved into these recaps, we let go of the outlines a little more. We now we still have an outline like you do a great outline, David. But the outline <laughs> is full outline. of starting points and not ending points. Right. Right. Yeah. You got to have a skeleton to hang the organs and the muscles on stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how we develop more things. Like mm-hmm. the Silmarillion stories, that's probably going to be a pretty outlined thing. But we also have, you know, we did a, a really long conversation with Marilyn Bukila, like 80 minutes, I think, on the recording. And that was not outlined at all. So that was a lot more free-flowing. Right. So we're trying to do a more mix of it this time. And, but it is still dense material. So there's going to be segments where we're like, these are the bullet points we need to hit. Right. Cool. Well, Andrew, I hope that answers some of your question. And uh, to other patrons, um, you know, feel free if you've got questions like that, you know, fire them at us. Um, Because obviously we just talked for like a good 15, 20 minutes about the topic. So uh, we enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Andrew. All right, David. Well, for our public listeners, we're going to take a quick break. This will be ad free on the Patreon, though. So be right back. And we're back. So, David, you had this idea of going through your top 10 shows of the year and maybe some other stats you've got in a way that would be entertaining for the audience. I think Elisa on the Discord inspired you. Yeah, she certainly uh, posted a message and, and uh, got... Um, I think that she was the, the final little linchpin that set the whole ball rolling. Um, but it had been percolating for a while because I remember when we were talking to Anthony to Maester Anthony um, on the Andor finale podcast, he had mentioned that he was keeping a spreadsheet of, of stuff and kind of giving things little rankings. And of course, Jim and Aaron love to rank things in general. And then uh, I was listening to another podcast on, a, on another network, uh, The Watch on the Ringer Network, and they were, they were doing their big annual thing. And so I think it, was, like, it all sort of came together and, and I got kind of crazy inspired. Um, I thought, well, yeah, we should definitely, you know, do that. And I, I kind of am making myself a a 2023 promise to keep an accurate, uh, spreadsheet running for the year and really track things so that by the end of the year, it's not like my taxes where I'm scrambling to do them in, you know, (laughs) March, um, (laughs) but actually have my profit and loss and, you know, my, my bookkeeping all done before, uh, before I go into the, the spring of the next year. So, yeah, you know, I just thought it would be fun. And weirdly, I just got super nerded out. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And like, I, I really got into it. So I kind of created my own idiosyncratic system to do this. I saw that on the outline and I looked at it and I said, should I do this? And I said, no. <laughs> no. You I'm going to just listen to you talk about right. this for a while. So 
please, without further ado, explain to me your ranking system. Yeah, so I started... Um, uh, this is sort of the organic process of it. I started, you know... Um, Looking at my TV time app, you know, a little app that I track a few things, you know, keeping track of episodes, like what episode am I on and things like that, and trying to recall what shows were out. And then I went on to our Discord and um, I forget who it was, but somebody in the TV channel start, did a best of 2022. So I started scraping everybody's lists. And so as I was sort of combining the list of what I had actually seen in the year, then I was like, okay, great. Now I can just rank these and like, oh. But it didn't, for me and for my brain, it didn't make sense the way that I, like, I just uh, assign things. And I kind of wanted to create a um, objectively subjective process or uh, idiosyncratically systematic, maybe idiosyncratically systematic. I don't know. Um, but I wanted to give myself some sort of structure so that I could uh, organize my thoughts. And so the first thing that I came up with is sort of, um, well, I came up with like a, in the end, the result is a three-stage process uh, to rank and score all of the shows that I've been watching. Mm. So the first process is just a basic category uh, setting, which I can just group in, you know, just, gr you know, broadly group a show. So S tier, right? So we're going to use the video game ranking things, right? Okay. So like S tier, okay. et cetera, et cetera. So an S tier, and I'm, I'm actually going to revise this slightly. It's not going to change my rankings, but I just discovered something that I, I was reading a Wikipedia article about the tier ranking system. So I was educating myself a little bit more. So I've got an S tier, which is loved it. Like, great. It was amazing. But I'm going to change that so that that's like the really, truly exceptional shows. And then there'll be an A tier. But right now I don't have an A tier. Um, then there's a B tier, which is, Hey, I was entertained by it. You know, this was fun. I enjoyed watching it. You know, things like, um, uh, hacks or only murders in the building or Essex serpent, you know, something like that where, Hey, you know, that, that was entertaining and I'm glad I watched it, but it's not, it's not going to be on my top 10. Like it would be in my sort of 10 to 20, maybe. Then I have a C tier which is trash. <laughs> it just, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> and, um, uh, but I'm going to try and, you know, watch as I'm watching shows throughout the year, I'm going to, you know, give it one of these three things. And that sort of just gives me that broad categorization and, and things that I can then pay attention to. I've got three other tiers that I've just sort of gave random letter assignments to. I've got D, which is stopped mid-season. So for whatever reason, I didn't finish it. Um, whether it was bad or I got busy or I wasn't, you know, engaged in it. And so that'll have its own little separate bracket. And then I've got two other ones. Didn't watch, not interested. And that'll be my end here. And then my O tier will be didn't watch, but would like to check it out. One of the things that we both did was our five biggest misses for the year. Things that came out in 2022, but we missed them for whatever reason. So I'll give like um, an O tier ranking to um, categorization to those things that like just, you know, um, wanted to or didn't know about it or, you know, it slipped by, that kind of thing. David, this is more complicated than anything in the Silmarillion. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you, you're saying the Valaquenta is complicated when you're coming up with this. Well, I don't think the Valaquenta is complicated. I think it's just, you know, who begat who, you know, it gets a little dry. And also with you. <laughs> so after category, right, which is the broad 
grouping. Um, because then, like, if I've got something in S tier or A tier, then I know that I need to pay attention to that a little bit more and then think about a little bit more for the next two scores. For anything that's, you know, uh, B, C, D, and down, right, I don't have to put my energy into ranking those things. So that sort of saves me some time in terms of, you know, brain cycles, even though I put a lot of brain cycles into this structure. So the next uh, process is um, what I'm calling, quote unquote, I mean, this is all subject to change, but I'm calling it, quote unquote, industry score. So it's a one to 10 scale, 10 being the best, with 0.5 half steps, right? So you could have a, you know, 7.5, 8.5, something like that. And to me, this is sort of where the subject, objectively subjective thing comes in, right? So it's like, I'm making a judgment, but I'm trying to be a little bit structured about it. And what I want to think about is how good was the show based on the production, the writing, the acting, the story, the plot points, that kind of stuff. Um, using stuff like the shippy test, right? Like did the did they have to make changes to fit the medium and did those changes serve the story or did they take us off story? Or um there's another sort of criteria which is like did they write the characters in such a way that the the characters are taking actions based on who they are not for trying to hit the writer's plot points, right? Um, so that kind of thing. So just thinking about those different criteria, how good was the acting, you know, how good was, you know, the, the writing and the dialogue, all of those kinds of things. And so give, uh, a one to 10 score for, um, that. And so that's a second, uh, stage grading. Um, I do have, uh, an 11 on the scale. It goes to 11. Um, <laughs> And that's for something that is like exceptional, right? Like something that changes the industry, that something that changes the storytelling that we're doing. So a Breaking Bad, a Mad Men, a Lost, an Andor, if you will, um, like something like that would, would score on an 11 because it's actually moved us in a new direction or it's opened up new territory. It's, it's a game changer in some way. I thought you were kind of mid on Andor. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. You know, Tony Gilroy, he's not a bad writer. He's all right. All right. And then my last, so, so, and I was inventing this as I was going. So like after I sort of got the category and the industry score, then I was looking at my list. I sort of did a little filter list in my, you know, Google sheet. And then I was like, yeah, but some of these I, I would put over other ones or I'd put down the list or something, even though they're scoring very high on this industry score. So I created uh, what I call the entertainment value score or the EV score. And this is a one to five scale, five being the best. And um, it just measures purely my subjective feeling about the show. How much did I enjoy watching it? How much fun did I have? And like, what would be my willingness to watch it again? And so when I've got a show that is in, a, you know, in the top tier, rankings and then they're both 7.5s or 8.5s or 8s or whatever they are I've got now a second criteria or third criteria that I can then um use to move a show above or below another show relative to that so it's sort of my like personal idiosyncratic hey I really enjoyed this this is really a lot of fun or 
this show was, you know, sort of important in a lot of ways. That it was the acting was excellent, the production was excellent. It was really an important uh, piece of media that came out in in the year that we were watching it. But I didn't enjoy it as much as something else, and so for me, it will get a little slightly less um, on the ranking scale. Right? Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, cool. I'm going to be all vibes, so you right. can, you can uh, give them your scientific method of ranking, and yes. I will uh, put my hand on the uh, crystal ball. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. All right. So there's a couple of extra criteria just to set ground rules. Like the show had to debut in the calendar year. So episode one had to be within, say, 2022 for we're ranking that, right? It, it could span over. So I think like, the Expanse actually came out in 2021 and ended in 2022, so it counts as a 2021 show, right? So okay. pretty straightforward. Um, I had to watch at least one full episode to give it a category ranking, and then if I didn't watch it, then it gets one of the two special category rankings of either didn't watch because I wasn't interested, or didn't watch, and, but I want to check that one out. Right. So that way, just like, oh, it's clear, like, it's like something like The Expanse doesn't fall in or, you know, uh, um, I think, what was it? Um, Wheel of Time was also a 2021 right. debut. Exactly. You know, or if like it was uh, um, Station Eleven, I think came out in 2021, but I might have watched it in 2022. It's still a 2021 show, right? Right. All right. Cool. Well, David, I think we've kept them waiting long enough, so... I think we have. <laughs> why don't we get into it? Indulged my nerdiness on this topic. You are the one who did all the work for all this, yes. so I'm going to let you go first on everything. <laughs> mm. Well, I thought, you know, with our... Um, so we've got two things, right? We've got our top five biggest misses for 2022, right? So the shows that we would have liked to have watched uh, during this year, but for whatever reason we didn't. And then we've got our top 10s. And I think what we could do maybe for the top 10s is we could go back and forth and sort of talk about them a little bit as we go down the list. Okay. Sounds good? Sounds good to me. Okay, so my top five biggest misses for 2022, drum roll please, are number five, Reservation Dogs on Hulu. Number four, Tokyo Vice on HBO. Number three, Slow Horses on Apple TV. Number two, Kindred on FX. And that just came out like uh, this week or, you know, a couple of weeks ago, depending on when you're record listening to this recording. And my number one top miss for 2022 is The English on Amazon, starring Emily Blunt. Okay. I recognize two of those shows. Okay. So tell me more about them. Yeah, so Reservation Dogs, I think you probably know. Which ones did you not know Yeah, about? Reservation Dogs and Tokyo Vice, I knew. Okay, and we're just starting to watch Tokyo Vice, my uh, spouse and I, and um, it's definitely a, a B, C tier. Or not, uh, well, yeah, I don't have an A tier. I've got to build the A tier, and gosh, it's getting complex. It's a B tier, right? It's good, but not great. Slow Horses on Apple TV is the um, spy thriller one with Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, you know him, that yep, guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am very familiar with Gary Oldman, detective, <laughs> okay, good. Harry Potter f person. <laughs> right. It's um, it's it, it's following a dysfunctional team of MI5 agents and their obnoxious boss, um, and it's a bunch of um, defending England from sinister forces type thing. Okay. I'm always good. I'm always in for a good spy thriller. All right. I, I well, you do like Andor. 
Yeah. And then there's Kindred, which just dropped in December um, on FX. And that is Octavia Butler. And she was an African-American science fiction writer who was, uh, and I am remiss in that I have not read any of her books, but I have, I, I understand that she is an exceptional writer and she won a ton of awards for her, her books um, early on. And Kindred is the first of her books to be optioned into a, um, a television series. And it, um, it's a science fiction show about a young black woman who finds herself time traveling back and forth between Los Angeles and a plantation in Maryland uh, between 2016 wow. and the early 19th century. That is quite um, the plot. It is. And um, I, I haven't heard any media about the show yet, but it's something I definitely want to check out because apparently she is an exceptional writer. And so I'm really interested to learn more about her and get into some of her books possibly cool yeah um and then the last one is uh the english uh starring emily blunt and it's a western um on amazon and it um about a woman who seeks revenge um on a man that she sees as responsible for the death of her son so yeah, it's, I love Emily Blunt, and uh, I've heard from some different sources that it's a, a really interesting story, supposedly quite visually beautiful as well. So I definitely want to check that one out. Um, it's very high in my list uh, on my back backlog catalog watching. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. It's a good list. Yeah, I think so. What about you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to sub out one right now because I... Oh, have changed oh. my mind, and okay. I did actually watch a little bit, bit of Obi Wan, so I'm going to take it off my list. Mm -hmm. uh, for number five, I'll do His Dark Materials because I watched the first two seasons and I have not caught up yet on season three. Okay, uh, I I really enjoyed that show. I read the books for that series. Uh, mm -hmm. The third book was kind of wild and had a lot of stuff that I have no idea how they will do it on screen. Um, and you know, that series just tackles like such big themes for a young adult book. It's, it's right. insane. So I'm really looking forward to catching up with that. My f number four was Pachinko, which you're a nice. big fan of, which I just yes. have not seen yet. I'm definitely going to watch that in season two or, uh, in, it ranks uh, in, in my 2023. It ranks in my top 10. So nice, nice. Well, yeah. you can tell me all about it when we get there. I can't wait. Hopefully we'll podcast about it someday. Maybe. Yeah. If you like it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Number three is For All Mankind. I have not watched more than an episode or two, and I definitely didn't watch any of the episodes this year. Okay. I would like to get into it. I just have not found the motivation because I only watch Star Wars right now. Right. <laughs> well, um, I, can I, if you don't mind my comment on this, it did not make my top 10. Okay. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, the first two seasons were great. Season three did not impress me. I heard it got weird. Yeah, a lot of people liked it, and it's, it's big in the bald move community, um, but I thought season three was kind of trash. Okay. It was like, it was like soap opera on the moon kind that of is thing, harsh. or Mars. Yeah, very wow. harsh. Hot takes. Okay. Well, now that we have that hot take, I'll cool us down by saying I have not 
watched Better Call Saul other than like one mm. episode back in the day. Oh, wow. Right. So you've missed the whole thing. Yeah. No, I loved Breaking Bad, but I, I just didn't get into Better Call Saul. I think I'm with Aaron on the pacing. And uh-huh. uh, I, I, I might have watched a few episodes, but I just couldn't get into it. And I've sure. I, by the time I was ready to watch it, it was over, you know? Right. Yeah. I don't know if I will watch it ever. I probably will eventually. But uh, it, it got a lot of praise, especially this last season. So I probably should. Yeah, it's uh, definitely high on my list. And I will uh, agree that for some folks, the pacing... It's just like not to their liking, and I and I get that, right? Like, oh, you know, this this food is too bland or too spicy or something like that. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I loved the pacing of it, and I loved the the sumptuousness of it. And I can talk about more later when we get to our, to our top tens. Yeah. All right, and the last one is the bear, which I keep hearing good things about, and yes. uh, my wife and I are planning to watch that soon because she wants to watch that too. I just hear great things. That's on your list, isn't it? It is on my list, yes. All right, so you got to give me the pitch when we get there. Yeah, Uh, I will tell you this. At this stage, um, when you go to watch it, brace yourself. Okay. (laughs) It's a ride. All right. It's an emotional ride. All right, I'll strap myself into my couch. It's it's in your face, yeah. (laughs) All right, well, that's my list, and you've got yours. Great, so let's get into our uh, top tens for 2022. So I'll start, I guess we can just ping pong back and forth and we can talk about our choices a little bit. Yeah, and I'm changing one again. Okay. (laughs) All right. My number 10 is We Own This City. Okay. Great show. I enjoyed it. And I think it's, you know, pretty much guaranteed anything that the Simon Pelicanos production team puts out is usually pretty socially important, right? Like they're trying to tell us something, remind us of something or you know, uh, illuminate some issues that we need to deal with as a society. So I thought We Own the City was important. John Bernenthal was like, you know, uh, a wild man in that. But I didn't find, I, I felt like it really should have been like a two or three season show. Really? There were lots of, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I feel the opposite. I, I really? thought it was great at that length. I thought it would have been way okay. draggy with, without that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I just felt like the pacing was too quick and and trying to get to know these characters and be invested in them a little bit. I was really looking for more of a wire experience than I was a sort of docudrama experience. Mm. And so I don't know that I'm going to watch it again, but I want to recognize that it's an important, you know, show that came out in 2022. Um, the acting was great. The scripts were great. The production was great. So all of that stuff was really good. Um, but it ranked really pretty, pretty low on my entertainment value score. Okay. Fair enough. My number 10 was the rings of power. Wow. It barely made the cut, David. Yeah. I saw you rewriting it as we were were talking. I had a different show there and Uh I put this one in because we owe it a lot. You know, it started our podcast careers. Yep. We probably would not be doing this right now if the show didn't exist. Yep. And I will say that the visuals are still the best visuals I've seen on TV. Yeah. The score was excellent, although overused. Mm -hmm. And the acting was good. Yes. The casting was good. The writing brought it from middle of the list to bottom of the list. Right. And I... Don't want this show to fail. 
Mm-hmm. I want to see the show be better in season two. Mm-hmm. I think that they could do it if they just hire some new writers, spend a little bit more time on on the character development. And I hope that that season two is a breath of fresh air. And that's right. all I'll say about it. I don't want to rant about Rings of Power all night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had a good time with it. All right. I had a good time, especially like the beginning was great. The finale was good. Uh, the finale was a good stick, sticking of the landing after some rough, rough episodes. Right. And I'm hoping that there's just no rough middle next time. Right. Right. So uh, Rings of Power is my number nine. And I think for a lot of the same reasons. So we don't need to, you know, retread the ground necessarily. Um, I agree. There was just some awkward plotting in the middle, um, especially with the Numenorians going south that I, I found that were just hard to, to understand and, and figure out the plotting. And when Queen Muriel and the Burning Tent, like that was just, uh, it was really really um, mid-tier, you know, kind of writing. Very, very simplistic stuff. Um, but I agree. I, and I think it's an important title in that, you know, they're giving them the space and to to fill in the gaps of what, you know, Tolkien has written. Sure. And it's such an important work that I'm, I'm glad that they're making an attempt at it. And I'm with you. Like, yeah, let's, let's hope for a better season two. Absolutely. Good way to leave that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My number nine was Stranger Things season four. Aha. Uh-huh. I had a great time with it. Did you watch this? It gets a um, D ranking for me. Stopped mid season. Huh? I did. Well, I don't even know if I can rank it according to my own rules because I didn't even make it for, through the first episode of season four. See, that's surprising to me because it's it speaks so much to the D&D people, like the 80s yeah. D&D people, and I feel like that's you. You would yes. identify with this it is very me. much. I do. <laughs> and I during the basketball scene, I just like I'm like, "Oh, this isn't for me." Like the very beginning okay. the basketball game, I was just like, "Ah, I can't I can't do this." Hey, you got to do you. Yeah. Um I really enjoyed it. I thought the character development was good. I thought the comedy was great. I think that the kids are getting a little old now. I do mm-hmm. think that that's happening, and I think that it's good that they're ending it soon, because I don't know how you keep this going. Um, and I just love uh, Mom Steve, you know? I just love watching that. Right. They had an A and a B season this year? Yeah, they did. They, uh, okay. I think it was the, only the last two episodes they put out, like, three weeks later or something like that. So confused me. And then there's going to be a season five? Yeah, and that's the last season. Oh, good Lord. Okay. Yep. yep. They they did up the stakes a lot too. I will say that sure. they up the stakes a lot at the end of the season to where it makes sense that the next season is the last season. And I'm glad that they have this multi season planning that I think that we see lack in some other shows. Sure, I really enjoyed season one, and um, I got a little bored in season two, and I yeah. don't think I even finished season three. I would say that this is the best season since season one, but it's not as good as season wow. one. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's definitely better than season three. And if only for having Kate Bush stuck in our head for three months, right? Right. Boy, I, I remember uh, talking about member berries, like that's a, a song of my younger days. And then to hear it suddenly everywhere on everything was uh, kind of strange. I'm not a big, huge Kate Bush stan or anything like that. I mean, she was around and I had friends who were, who were way into her. But like to hear that song is uh, pretty hilarious. But good for her, because apparently 
she owns the rights to all of her music. No label owns it. And so well, that's it's like, great. if she's getting a great little resurgence, then good for her. Yeah. I, I checked her Twitter one day and like the only tweet on it in the last like five years, I think it was, was, hey, check out Stranger Things with my song in it. <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> that's great. Number eight. Looks like we're a match. It's true. The boys, right? Yeah. Season three. That was good. It was good. It was good. Not great. Yeah. The ending, I think, did not land. Uh-huh. What did you think about that? I'm trying to remember the ending, actually. That was uh, where... Oh, how, how, how spoilery can we get here? Uh, we can spoil. Okay. We can spoil. All right. The boy spoilers. Fast forward. That was where Maeve and Homelander and uh, the kid... Ryan, is that his name? The kid? Um, uh-huh. And Huey. Everybody goes to a big fight, and then Maeve is nerfed to... Uh, a regular person and uh soldier boy is contained and it just it just kind of like led up to this thing that should have been the death of homelander and they just chickened out because they don't want to lose the actor right so right. yeah it was just kind of eh. but the but i will say herogasm which was very cleverly deceptively named was one of the best superhero fights i've seen like it was so cool Especially, I loved. I loved when they had the uh, the cape thing, where he's like, "Oh, don't wear capes," and then he uses the cape to like smash him down. Right. I've yeah. never seen that yeah. done with superheroes before. You know, like right. uh, it's it, it was a lot of fun. So I had a, a whole lot of fun that season. The comedy was great as always, and uh, I'm looking forward to season four, even though I think that the ending of season three was eh. Yes, uh, the hero gasm is the one thing that really sticks out in my mind um, for season three, um, as well as them doing the temp v stuff the, yeah. those are like big um because it was very early on in the year and i think we had a lot of other stuff going on this year yeah. so I, yeah it's a little bit of a wash but i remember thinking that yeah the visuals were great the acting is superb um who's the actor who plays homelander i'm in blanking his name on anthony star incredible like yeah what a what a psychotic character and what a great portrayal uh, of that. I'm seeing a lot of memes of him now, too. I think that this really? show is starting to go viral, especially the, uh, and it was perfect, that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's been everywhere. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm definitely looking forward. Do, you, do we know how many seasons they're going to be going? I don't know. I think that they're, okay. like, talking about doing some kind of spinoff or something because okay. Amazon wants to make money. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Okay. Well, I hope they I hope they have a story ending in point because I don't want these things to I think it's better storytelling when you are when you know your beginning, middle and end and, yeah. and you have an end in mind. I think right. you tell a better story that way. Well, right, right, exactly. That's what I was saying with Stranger Things is you you got to have that multi-season arc going if you want to yeah. do that. All right, number 7 uh on my list is Severance. Great show. Tell me more. Yeah, Severance uh I thought was for a puzzle box mystery thing was really great. Um, ben Stiller as a director, I, I didn't realize that he had such great chops. He really yeah. uh, wove that story together. Came out of nowhere. Tapestries. Uh, totally came out of nowhere. I was, I was really surprised. And um, Adam Scott, who I'm not a big aficionado of either. Um, and I know a lot of people are into him from other stuff that he's in. Um, he was superb. John Turturro was a lot of fun. Yeah. All the characters, Britt Lauer, Zach Cherry, like just really exceptional. The visual styling of it was great. And just the weird wackiness of it, like the waffle party and, and, um, 
the whole ending sequence where Dylan's trying to like hold the buttons on everything. I thought that was a lot of fun. It really set up a great uh, device for that episode. And um, I really left feeling like I was excited for, for season two. Yeah. And Christopher Walken out of nowhere. Just yes, uh, that was there. Awesome. There, having an intimate relationship with another main cast member. Um, very good show. The writing was incredible. It was the perfect example of how to still do a mystery box, even though there's mystery box fatigue right now. Yeah. Because I think that they resolved everything pressing by the end of the season. Yeah. And you really need to do that if you're going to do a mystery box. Right. Multi-season mystery box arcs are not fun. Well, you didn't want to wait like 18 seasons to find out the <laughs> virus in The Walking Dead. <laughs> I well, I mean, obviously I think of Lost, right, you know. Yeah. I'll go back even further and uh peg Twin Peaks as a, you know, crazy uh, oh, and even um uh X-Files, right? Yeah. Giant mystery yeah. in there that just never paid off, right? You never Oh, really it didn't. Got I never watched so. X-Files really. They you know, they aliens, okay, yeah, we knew aliens, but like what? Like they didn't give us anything interesting in my opinion about it. I got really by the end of it and when they came up with the movie and stuff, it got really just sort of bored and just forgot about it because they did they just did that thing where they just didn't give you um any resolution for any of the mysteries that they were setting up on in a reasonable time frame. Right. Well, I think we can agree severance is great. It's higher on my list and I'll get there. Right. But my number seven is we own this city which you've okay. already talked about. I thought yep. it was a really damning critique of this police system. And yep. I think that it portrayed these people as imperfect humans rather than villains. Right. While they were doing awful things. And I think that that was important to do because if it's a cartoonish villain, it won't be believable because that's not how people usually act. Mm-hmm. But... When, and, and, you know, there is the one cartoonish cop where, who's just, like, absolutely like a monster. But these people just, like, starting off wanting to make positive change and slowly being sucked into the culture that destroys their morality and, and like, sa- sacrifices their souls, really, to money. Mm-hmm. Really fascinating to watch. And I think that they effectively told me that story. I, like would like hate the guy and feel badly for the guy at the same time. Like it was, it was really great storytelling. Even the time wonkiness where they were flashing back and forward worked for me. Yep. I thought that that was a really effective way to say like, Hey, here's who he was and here's who he is. And here's how he got there. Right. So a plus show for me, I thought it was great. And, uh, you should be ashamed for making it number 10. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, I think, I think one of the things that for me was lacking was uh, Wuni Masaku, like a really great actress. And I just felt like her storyline didn't have any oomph to it. And it was used as a vehicle for a lot of uh, exposition. And it just it, it just felt like a, a, an appendage that really didn't be- belong in there. Okay. Oh, the, the, um, this is the lawyer? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that that was a little awkward. I think that what they needed was they they wanted like basically a narrator had to have the the morality of it, yeah. the uh the yeah. the moral lesson at the end. Um the Jamie Hector uh that's the actor who played uh, Detective Suter who okay. you know staged his own death 
uh, at the end. I thought that was really a great storyline. I mean, great storyline. It's terrible because it's like a, it's yeah. Because they're, they're telling thing. something, it's a real thing, whatever happened there. But it was, I think, a very effective performance. Yeah. And John that was also Bernthal. controversial because the yes. family disputes that that was um, right. a, a suicide. Right. Exactly. Um, and that's, but I think the what you were pointing to earlier, which is showing how somebody who's trying to get along in a system that is... Uh, has a lot of corruption, and there's a lot of reward of uh, bad behavior, as we see John Bernthal's character, uh, Sergeant Jenkins, you know, getting all these winks and and, um, nudges, and he keeps sort of going even more and more out of control. Yeah. And getting a little bit even more wild. And he's like, well, they're giving me the the permission to do this. Right. Right. And so there's corruption in a lot of places. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, you know, and the mismanagement, and then, you know, everything's tied up in politics at, at another level. And then so to see, like, somebody like Detective Souter, who's actually a good detective, actually cares about his job and trying to, you know, have a positive impact, and then how he got chewed up in the system, that was just really heartbreaking, and it was very effective. And, and that's why the show is on my top 10, <laughs> yeah. so for sure. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was the time jump and the way that they were slicing it up that it made it very, I didn't enjoy it. And um, I, I really had to work to stay up on what was going on. And I would have, I think I would have gotten more out of it if I could have seen more of those characters wrestling with that stuff in a more complex story over a couple of seasons. Okay, fair enough. Agree to disagree. Agreed. All right. Number six, The Bear. Give me the pitch, David, because I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, like I said before, you got to be ready. We weren't ready when my wife and I were watching, started <laughs> watching it. We just heard all these people, the bear, the bear, the bear. Like, what is okay, the premise, I'm, though? A, uh, it's a prodigal son story. The, um, the brother of, or, you know, the son of this family has gone off and he's been working at all these, like, top restaurants like he was at like one of the number one restaurants in the world in new york city big time chef whatever and he comes back and i forget the relationship between uh, john bernthal plays the uh, character in this as well no oh, he's on your list a couple quick. times yeah so the main character comes back to run the family sandwich shop after the brother who was running it, the older brother who was running it dies and there's a lot of broken stuff around their family the restaurant was being run a very specific way for for quite a long time and so he's coming in with all his you know big chef training and and whatnot and trying to reorganize that and there's a a young ingenue who comes in and she's amazing but she's young but she's like got really great ideas and so there's just these clash of uh, characters and opinions, and this is the way things have been done, and we should never change it. But then, like, oh, we do change it, and oh, wow, this is like a really good result, and just all this wild stuff. And it's a, so it's a family movie. It's a foodie restaurant, not movie. It's a it's a show about family dynamics and and broken things in family, and how different family members act and react in those situations. Uh, it's about uh, restaurants and the culture of restaurants 
Uh, it's about how you know this restaurant is a cornerstone. It's an important part of the city life of of Chicago where it takes place. It's very intense. It's very fast paced. Um, a f- El- uh, what's his name here? Um, Eban Moss Bacharach, who we know from Andor. He plays a cousin, I believe it is. Who does he play in Andor? Uh, he plays um, Skeen. He was oh, okay. Skeen. Okay. Right. So he's in it, and he's sort of the chief antagonist, uh, I guess you could say. And um, there is just some intense, intense acting that goes on in this. And like we, an episode would end, and my wife and I would be like, look at each other, and our hearts were like pounding, and we we're just like, oh my god, like what did we just experience? It's like front row to like a family boxing match at some points of the show, but incredible and like when you see characters start to turn as they go through their arcs the way that they filmed it um apparently it wasn't a big budget thing and they they really took a chance on it so really uh, awesome that uh hulu uh for them to take a chance on on this script uh really exceptional and it was it's one of those things that you know when we look at the reckoning that big streaming platforms are going through right now uh, you know, when we look at, you know, Disney Plus stuff and whatever the mess is that's going on on at HBO, which I can't even keep straight in my head for, uh, you know, and they're, they're looking for big money and, and big returns on these big IPs and stuff like that. And then for a little, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an underdog show, right? For the bear to come up out of nowhere and to hit as hard as it did is because it's authentic, that, you know, the people put their passions into it. It's in a superb production. And it's just really, really great. And I, 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 it just proves, again, that you know, quality begets quality, right? You bring in quality people and you, you believe in it and you put the money, you know, what little money they put into it, like it, it paid off. Um, it really, really super, superb performances. Nice. No, I'm really looking forward to watching this. I've heard such great things and your endorsement means a lot. So I will oh, let gosh. you know when I start it on the next second yes. breakfast, probably. Sounds good. All right, your number six. My number six is Dairy Girls, which I only started watching like a little over a month ago, but I finished it uh-huh. already because it's so good. And it's also really short. There's 18 episodes in the whole series. Right. And this is uh, specifically season three to fit officially into our 2022 best ofs. Right, right. And Dairy Girls season three was really great. Um, it, it's a show that is so funny that I'm just laughing through half the lines and I have to like go back sometimes uh-huh and yet it tackles some of the hardest things that have ever happened in ireland in in recent memory like the whole uh ira issues the, the right the great what did they call it the great conflict or something like that um the troubles oh the troubles the the troubles yeah. they really address it in such a respectful way and sort of like a a black humor way mm-hmm the characters make you emotional about what's happening in their lives regarding that and, and uh-huh. um, in, in some of their relationships and things like that. And yet the way that like the main actor for Erin contorts her face when she's like trying to like look cool or something like that. Right. And she's yeah, just right. like pulling in her double chin just to just to be funny. Like it just cracks you up. Like like I've never seen a show balance drama and comedy as well as this one does. Nice. It is so funny. It is so good. 
and it and it has a lot of heart too. Like it it right. it wants you to feel things for these characters and for the their families and for the people of Derry. So definitely watch it. It's on Netflix. You can binge the whole thing. It's eighteen episodes and uh, very strong endorsement from me. Cool. We, my uh, my spouse and I started to watch it. Um, I think we are like two or three episodes into season one. And nice. We're like, oh, let's give it a try. And I, we weren't really sure what to expect. And uh, it feels like it's going to start to unfold even a little bit more. Uh, you know, once it gets beyond the sort of setup and surface comedy, it feels like there's something else underneath there. Yeah, there is. I mean, it, it doesn't get like super deep into it. It's mostly towards the end of the seasons where they start like going into the actual issues in Derry. But okay. um, the even just like Sister Michael, just which is the nun in charge of the, the yes, school. Yes, she's hilarious. Just she's awesome. Completely <laughs> done with everyone there. Mm-hmm. Just the funniest lady. Just right. a really great show. Uh, keep watching it, David. Let's talk about it next second breakfast. That sounds good. If we can catch up. We're, we're slow watchers. So. <laughs> That's all right. All right. Number five. Okay, so now we're getting into, like, <laughs> from five to one, like, this is a battle of inches, sometimes millimeters here. And yeah. that's why I ended up with my crazy, you know, three-stage, you know, ranking system, because I was like, is this really better than that? And so all of that structure and framework just helps me clarify and, and make those decisions. But I, I will say, like, if you want to, like, argue about what's, you know, what's in what position, in some cases, it's a battle of inches here. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, any show that ended up on this list, it's great. Yeah, exactly. So my number five is House of the Dragon. Nice. That's a great one. It's the, the writing was exceptional, I thought. I love the way that they created the conditions for um, the two girls, uh, Rhaenyra and Alicent, to get caught up not only by the larger power structures at play, but the o- their own little internal dynamic and the um, the lo- you know a lie that gets told, a lie of omission that gets told at once starts to uh, erode the trust and friendship, and and as that begins to you know, or and then like oh you're going to marry my dad, okay that's weird, and like as all these things start to build up over time how it in, 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 instricably, uh, <laughs> in, inevitably brings them to, to conflict. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and that was just a beautiful job done by the writers. And I think it's fun to take a quote-unquote known history, right? So yeah, the, the, the encyclopedia that sets all of these facts out is all there. So it's kind of cool to see the how. Yeah. Like, okay, you know, in, you know Martin has, has outlined this you know, particular conflict or this this particular dragon fight or something like that. But then, like, what really happened? Like, you know, or, right. or what what is a depiction of what might have happened? Then that's that's really fun. I like that. Exactly. I mean, like, we know what happened in World War II, but does that mean we can't make movies about it? Like, it's, right? It's a uh, it's a lot about how you do it. Exactly. So for me, why it's a number five though is it was very dark, visually very dark. <laughs> And there was very little levity or humor throughout, even just in some sort of relief, just a little, you know, some, you know, give me something here and there just to, to keep, to, just to reset my emotional meters, because everything's so tense and every scene and situation, there's so much at stake, there's nothing that ever gave me a little relief valve. And so it just, it, I couldn't, I don't know that I want to go back and watch season one again, because it was just so <laughs> dark and heavy. 
It was very heavy. It was very heavy. I'll talk about it more at length now because, you know, we're here. Um, yeah. But it is it is higher up on my list. I'll reveal it later. But I notoriously went into this season fan bankrupt. Yes. I absolutely adored Game of Thrones. I used to, this is how what I used to do in the late stage Game of Thrones seasons. I used to take out my Game of Thrones risk board. I used wow. to place figurines on the factions <laughs> on, okay. on where they are on the map. And I'm like, okay, where can they go next episode? Didn't really matter because they were just jetpacking anyway. But uh-huh. I used to do that because it meant that much to me. And I was like, it was like Super Bowl Sunday for me, like every single week for eight weeks in a row. Wait, there's a Game of Thrones risk game? Oh there my is. gosh. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. That's hilarious. That one, time, one time I was playing with a bunch of friends and my wife played as the Baratheons and she uh-huh. was winning really hard. And I just remember somebody yelling, there's too many fucking stags on the board. <laughs> it's a lot that's of fun. Awesome. It's a lot of that's fun. That's awesome. But um, so that's, that's how I, into it I was. I read all the books. I, w- I was into the, I would write into the Game of Thrones podcast with Jim and Aaron every week. Right. Uh-huh. And uh, I, w- I was just all in. And then season eight happened. Yes. And I was, I was basically heartbroken. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. it was just so bad that I could not imagine enjoying this world again in the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to because I, I was more into that than any other fantasy at that time. Let me ask you this, um, just so that I can gauge, gauge the depths of your sorrow. Um, Season one of Rings of Power or season eight of ha- or Game of the Thrones? Oh, I'd watched season one of Rings of Power like a hundred times before rewatching season eight of Game of Thrones. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Right. No. Season, can, look, I, I season one at. of Rings of Power had issues, but it was coherent. Uh-huh. It did not anger me as much. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just wanted to, to ga- get a little better sense of, uh, of how heartbroken you were yeah no i was i was really bad i i just did not want anything to do with this universe anymore and like especially with on top of that george just constantly putting off the books i was like Uh you know what screw this universe i'm done i'm going to tolkien and that's actually sort of what pushed me into the arms of jrr there you go and uh we again we probably wouldn't have this podcast today if uh D didn't do such a bad job with season eight of game of thrones isn't life a funny thing yeah yeah but anyway, so I was really fan bankrupt. That was the point. And then yeah. when we got there, I was like, all right, I guess I'll hate watch it. And uh, I'll, I'll keep up with the bald move community and just like, you know, listen to the podcast. And see, and episode one happened. And I was like, this is pretty good. Like right away, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. And um, the, the one thing that really bothered me was the, uh, the fourth C-section thing, especially because I was expecting a sure. child in a few months that I knew would be a C-section. Right. And uh, I was like, yeah. oh, man. So my wife has not watched that episode, still has not, but she's watched the rest of the season. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can skip that. You can yada yada that. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. I was like, okay, so his wife died. <laughs> uh, that, that's about it. That's all you need from that episode. And then every episode, I was like, okay, it's still going strong. The dialogue is really good. It's the best dialogue I've heard this year so far. All right. Good, good, good. And even the time jumps were working. And I, I was really pleasantly surprised. So uh, between that and sort of the, I guess, the return of the bald move Game of Thrones machine, I had a really good time during the season. I definitely mm-hmm. had a better time that, during House of the Dragon than I did Rings of Power. Now, I will say that might also be because I know the lore of Rings of Power really well, and so I notice every mistake, whereas in Hot D, 
I can just sit back and enjoy as someone who's just being told a story I don't know. Right, right. So I had a really good time. I hope that it keeps up for season two. One criticism, I didn't like the older Rhaenyra. I thought that okay. she did not capture the same fire as Millie. Boy, Millie was a, um, a revelation, wasn't she? Well, it's just like... As an actor. She, yeah. Right? She was a, a, an exceptional yeah. actor. And I can't wait to see her in more stuff. Incredible. I think they should have just kept her. I think that she was fine. To, to They, they could have dressed her a little differently, done her makeup a little differently, and, and her hair, and said she aged up. Because there's something about her acting that had this sort of sly wit to it. Yes, yes, yes. That, like, she would be a brat, but then she'd smirk. And you'd be like, oh, yeah. you're funny. <laughs> and then I just feel like the older Rhaenyra is kind of cold. You know, she... Uh, and and maybe that's defensible with the character because she's gone through a lot by then. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't get that same, like, fiery passion within her that I saw in Millie. Right. And I wish that they either got somebody who had that or they, uh, they uh, you know, got Millie to stay. Because right. I thought that the the older Rhaenyra, uh, they're, they're a good actor. It's just I think that it didn't fit the role. Yeah, Emma Darcy doesn't have that same um, sly wink and a nod uh, vibe to her, that mischievous nod to her. But yeah. by then, like, she's pretty, probably pretty weary. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So Rhaenyra at that point has been through a lot. But anyway, that's my biggest qualm with the season. I think that sure. overall it was very good. I also agree with you that the visuals were pretty muddy. I don't know what that is. What is yeah. that in the Game of Thrones universe where they want to like wash it out? Yeah, I, I don't know. Just a little bit. I, it, it's like, I don't know how they measure it in, in luxes or something like that. Just just turn the dial one more notch up on the brightness just so that I'm not swimming in darkness all the time. Yeah, yeah. While we're here, we should. I I don't know. I just kind of feel almost obliged to give Patty um, Considine uh, a shout out because his portrayal of Viserys was incredible. <laughs> that yeah, the Phantom of I, the Opera is there. Oh, just the whole run of it. Just the whole sort of nice guy and decisive, I gotta be the king and I gotta have this sword, but can't we all just laugh and have a good time to all the stuff and the mystery and, uh, and his death? Yeah, just absolutely. Uh, I, I really enjoyed his performance a lot. I thought that his storyline and his acting of here's how being a good guy in this world can destroy you and the mm -hmm. lives of people mm -hmm. you love mm -hmm. was better than Ned Stark's. Very. Well, I mean, Ned, we hardly knew ye. Um, well, same amount of time, right? A full season. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's a, that's that you are accurate there, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I guess. Um, yeah, Ned was just sort of, um, he's just on his high horse all the time. Yeah, but he was a good man. Like, he's, Ned's biggest screw up was giving Cersei a warning that he was going to blow up her sure. game. Yeah. Because if right. he hadn't done that, if he hadn't said, save yourself and your children, then he might have won. So I think, I think it was his inherent goodness and honor that destroyed right. him. And it's the same thing with Patty Considine, right? Like, he's trying to do the right thing. Now, I yeah. will say, he's a little slimier than Ned is. Because he, he definitely uh, follows his nethers more than Ned does in his decision making. Mm -hmm. But I think that it was a really great arc. 
I, I really incredible performance and uh, really incredible first season. I was listening to Maester Anthony's Electric Boogaloo. I think it might have been Tyrion well, on the December eighth podcast. It might have been, or was it Sansa? Anyway, it was either the December eighth podcast or the December first uh, podcast, and they were talking about uh, Ned and his choices and and how he was not a good player of the Game of Thrones. Right. Um, but he was good in, in a lot of ways, and he made a, criti- a couple of critical mistakes. Um, and so, Mr. Anthony, and I forget who his guest was, they had a really a good debate about that. Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely go check that out. Uh, one of the, it's either one of those two, two dates, but it was uh, an interesting conversation. Ned, you can't just play, like, hangman with your wife, like, Wheel of Fortune with your <laughs> wife on, like... Jon Snow is not a bastard, like something right. like that. Like I, I just, Jon Snow is Lyanna's. Like figure it out, man. You gotta, you gotta be honest with your wife a little bit. All right, we're not gonna relitigate yeah. season one of Game of Thrones here. No, no. We uh, should not. Give me, give me your next one. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, it's my, it's my turn. I gotta go do Barry. Yes, it is. You're, you're number five. All right, here's my number five. This is Barry season three? Excellent. Really okay. loved it. It was uh-huh. thrilling the entire time. It was a long wait to get here. I think it was two or three years. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was a long time because of COVID and everything. I mean, Bill Hader continues to do an amazing job acting, directing, writing this show. His performances were incredible. I mean, he's so emotional and raw in some scenes. Mm-hmm. And then he's just so funny and awkward in other scenes. And I just can't wait to see where this show goes next, because I, th- I think they said the, n- the next season is the last one. Okay, good. Which is good, because I think it's ready to wrap up. Yeah. And I again, so. you need that plan to do several seasons. But it has just been an emotional roller coaster. You feel badly for Barry. You also kind of hate Barry, especially by the end of this season. And I would recommend the show to anybody who wants a short watch. It's a, they're short episodes, too. I think they're like under 30 minutes. Right. You watch Barry, right? Yeah, I did. And um, I watched it this year. It didn't make my um, category to be ranked, but I definitely enjoyed it. It's in my sort of B tier. I think when I compared what's in my top 10, I don't know, you know, it might be an 11 or 12, something like that. I, I haven't done a, a, a 11 to 20 ranking, uh, but it would be very high on that. Um, the comedy makes me a little like I kind of cringe a little bit with some of this stuff. Um, but it's so effective, right? It's so it, right. it's well, you're supposed to, to cringe. Me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I don't enjoy that cringe. Oh, like, I that do. for me is not entertainment. Are you not an office fan? No. Oh no, I came up on the office. So right, uh that's right. that's why it's I love the cringe humor. Vibe. Steve Carell can make me cringe all day. All right, no, uh the office UK or the office US? I've watched some of the UK I'm going to say something controversial. Okay. The U.S. office is way better. The U.K. one is not that funny. Y'all need to uh-huh. get over it. <laughs> okay. Ricky Gervais I... is funny. The rest of the office is not funny on that show. So for me, the office U.K., Ricky Gervais, Freeman, all, all those guys, that was even more cringe for me than the U.S. I could watch a U.S. episode easier than I could oh, yeah. a U.K. episode. The UK episodes really depressed me and made me cringe hard. I love this interview that I think the showrunners did on the US office where they said when they went to workshop the show with Ricky Gervais, they said, well, how do you think we should change the boss? 
in the American one. And he says, well, I think in America, the Michael Scott character, the boss, needs to be at least a little bit competent at something because no one will accept that he's there. Whereas in the UK, it's totally normal to be completely terrible at your job. Right. Kind of funny. But yes, no, I like Crins. That was the point of my my statement. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So that's so Barry Barry skirts some of those cringe things yeah. for me that that really um, uh, puts things down lower on my entertainment value scoring. Okay. All right. So, but the writing is exceptional. Bill Hader is great. I love to see um, uh, Henry Winkler in something. You know, uh, Stephen Root is is amazing. Uh, Noho Hank, like what a bizarre <laughs> character. The the first time I watched um, Barry, I we were visiting my in laws and I came down with the flu and so I just sort of uh, self quarantined uh, in one of the spare bedrooms and for the weekend and just watched Barry and I was like I was just hunting around for stuff to watch stumbled across Barry watched the first episode and like binged the you know the 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 two seasons. Uh, that whole weekend and it was exceptional. Nice. And I think for me too, uh, the the long gap between season two and season three, I lost a lot of the connective tissue and I had to remember a lot of stuff. Okay, I rewatched before it, so that's probably why too. Yeah, I think that would have helped. All right, number fours. Number fours. Go ahead. Pachinko on Apple TV. What's your Papitch. My papitch. It was out of nowhere, like Station Eleven was or uh, Queen's Gambit. I put Pachinko uh, alongside those two titles. Superb drama, fascinating story, expertly told, uh, generational story. So we're jumping between three different time frames throughout the story, the same characters or descendants of characters. Potent history, um, you know this issue between you know these issues between uh, feudal Japan and Korea, and uh, what went on between those two countries and those two peoples, and then what are those modern day effects? So there's something very vital in that, right? So it's not dead history; it's very much a, a, a living history, right? Really um, interesting way to tell this story too uh, about the central character. Who we see in the in the various time frames, and then like when you start to put together who's who, and they don't tell you a lot. They don't give you. It's one of those shows that's that that gives you zero exposition, and you just have to figure it out as you go. And I I really enjoy that. I enjoy when a yeah. show treats me as an adult in that and, way. And yet you didn't like We Own This City. I feel like that did the same thing. No, 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 because the, the, the Winnie Misaku character was the exposition oh, okay. for me. I get you. And, and I was like, ah, you know. I get you. Um, All right, fair enough. Otherwise, yeah. So, um, and there's just this sort of pathos to it that, again, uh, Queen's Gambit had and Station Eleven had that I'm just a sucker for. It's just the high drama, um, uh, a lot of emotional velocity to it. So things really punch hard, things really um, emotionally, you, you know, your emotional levers get pulled uh, strongly when, when things resolve or when you realize, oh my God, this is happening because of this character. Beautifully shot, uh, uh, especially between the time frames. 
um, good entry point character for the modern time frame, like somebody you can kind of identify with. So it's a it's a it's a family story uh, told on a generational scale that involves you know uh, larger historical uh, uh, currents, you know, real things that happened, and so. They don't have to tell that real story, but they can. You can understand some of what was going on because you're zoomed in on these characters who are living the effects of that that um, those historical circumstances. Nice. Now it sounds super interesting. Okay, sounds super interesting. I'm uh, I'm definitely going to catch up on it at some point once I get off my Star Wars fever. Uh, I, I now have a list of shows I'm behind on because of that. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, like I said, if you if you do like that and, and like that kind of thing, I uh, would definitely make a strong pitch for us covering uh, season two when it comes back around. I'll talk about whatever. It's what the people want. You know, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's for the fans. We do it. For we the definitely fans. have some. The, there are definitely some pachinko fans out there. Pachinko stands out there in the bald move community. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Your number four. My number four is Hot D. I've said my yeah. piece about it. Great show. Right. Let's move on. Cool. All right. My number three, and again, this is just getting tighter and tighter, uh, um, uh, you know, degrees of millimeters here. So my number three is Better Call Saul season six. Really superb storytelling. Uh, visually, uh, I loved every aspect of, of the season. They recreated shots or gave you strong um, vibes of shots that came from season one they recreated for season six as they were wrapping things up so there was this nice uh a tonal vibe that connected the entire journey that the characters went on i love saul goodman as a character i love reese rea seahorn uh as kim wexler uh she is an amazing actor and i just I would watch almost anything that she's ever in. Wow. Um, and I just thought they, they landed the plane. Like they were like, we have, and they were making it up as they went, which is wild too, right? Like the, you know, the Villa gang, like just going, just sort of like, okay, where are we going? Like, let's, let's box ourselves in and let, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and I felt like they delivered on the promise of what Better Call Saul was when they started with season one. And I felt that the, the resolution, and and where the characters ended up and how they ended up there just was really very satisfying. I I, I love this series and I love the the actors who play it and I thought the the writing and the visuals were outstanding. You know, I read the ending because I was curious. Uh huh. And uh, it does seem like it ended in a really good place for those characters. And uh, yeah. I'm I'm glad to see that they landed the plane. That's great. Yeah. All right, your number three. My number three is The White Lotus Season 2, uh-huh. which I've spoken about for about 14 hours, which you can <laughs> find on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your I have to say, our pods. last episode uh, for, for Episode 7, that was a fun podcast. When it I was. When I listening to it, I had a big grin on my face listening to it. I always have fun with The White Lotus Podcast. I feel like there's just so much to make fun of, and yeah. it's it's so much lighter than... Uh, when we do like a, a science fiction fantasy show, which I think we have to keep serious. I, you know, when we do a show like The Rings of Power, especially, I have to right. keep so much lore in my head that it's mm. it's almost harder for me to think of jokes because right. I need to make sure that my book report is ready. <laughs> you do not want to upset folks with Lord of the Rings. I know. I mean, I know. we can 
We can be sloppy, a little bit more sloppy. Yeah, like yeah, we, there is no requirement for the White Lotus to have right. that sort of lore knowledge. Yeah, for sure. Right. I had a lot of fun with this season. I thought that the the dramedy style was working for me. The bittersweet, unresolved ending was exactly what I wanted and what ex- exactly mm-hmm. what I thought would happen with Mike White because that's what he does. And just the like the Greek mythology incorporated, the art incorporated. And the the way that this dialogue was so realistic when it was only written by one person was just yeah, a magnificent achievement. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, catch my thoughts on it somewhere else. There's plenty <laughs> of them. Um, I'll embellish a little bit because White Lotus is in my number two. You know, when again, when I was ranking these things, one of the things that really, when I was thinking about White Lotus was, I just enjoyed watching this. It was so much fun. Yeah. Right, everything from the from the murder plot device, which got us engaged to what's going to happen with these characters, and it was dealing with some intense um, topics, right? Like yeah. in terms of uh, sexuality and and relationships and marriages and all of this kind of stuff. But it was hilarious and fun to watch, and it was like skiing, right? Like once you started to pick up speed and you're like going down, whoosh, 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 like. And it was unpredictable. There was no way for me to reasonably predict. I was surprised at every turn. I was surprised at every arc, you know, uh, where the arcs ended up and, and what happened with each character. I was just delighted by this season. Um, and I don't think I would have ever expected this season to be this fun having watched season one. Yeah. Season one was a little darker. Although it was Very. fun, too. I think... So I liked season two better, but I also watched season one binge mode and not yeah. uh, not live. And I do think that I would have liked season one better if I had watched it week by week like I did this. Right. Because I think that's just that kind of show. Yeah. Like it was just so fun to be in the Bald Move Discord. Again, pitch for the Discord, chatting with, with uh, all these people, just speculating wildly and right. just throwing out ideas. A lot of fun. You know, I won a lot of internet points this season, and I know we got an email <laughs> feedback that our internet points don't matter. Well, you know what? I say they matter. <laughs> and um, no, they don't matter. But it, we, we had a lot of fun. We, we threw out our wild ideas, and we, we made fun of the show. So I only had one character that I really could identify with in season one, and that was Quinn. And then his story didn't really resolve, and I didn't really connect with him until, you know, towards the end. Um, everybody else was just, it was like awkward and cringy, like we were talking about before, where with season two, you know, Bert or, or Ethan or Harper or um, Daphne, you know, uh, Valentina, Mia, Lucia, like I enjoyed watching all of them yeah, and was invested in all of them. Whereas in with season one, I really wasn't invested in any of them, even though I was like watching you know, the, the antics of Armand and whatnot, um, or, you know, or Jake Lacey, you know, uh, who's playing uh, Shane Patton, like, you know, it's just like, oh, this guy is horrible, right? He just gives me the creeps, you know, or the, the, t- the two daughters, right? And what they were up to, like, there was just a lot of uncomfortable s- characters that I didn't like, where pretty much I liked everybody in season one. And so that's, that's where, for me, that entertainment value, I just had such a great time watching this show. Yeah. Uh, great, great season. By the time this comes out, our season wrap will be out. So yes. check that out if you want to hear that. Okay, your number two. My number two is Severance, which we already wow. talked about a bit before. 
Yeah, but like I was at seven and you were you're at two here. I was hot on Severance. I thought mm. it was one of the one of the best shows I've seen in a while. Okay. And you're not a mystery box guy. No, I'm not, because usually they're done horribly. <laughs> mm-hmm. See uh the stranger in uh in the Rings of Power. Right. <laughs> but this mystery box was absolutely perfect. I loved the timeless technology world building. Yeah, I love the inhuman acting of like uh Mrs. What was her name? Mrs. Silvig, but her her uh work name. Right. It, it doesn't matter. But the Mark's boss just uh-huh. being like inhuman and then Mr. Milchick, like, smiling while he's doing something terrifying. He's so good. He's so good. <laughs> Just absolutely insane. The twists and turns were perfect. I'm not even going to spoil it because I just I just want people to watch this if they haven't, and I feel like it's a little bit of a smaller show still. So many memes were spawned from this, you know? Yeah. So many cool graphics. Like, we were having a lot of fun in the Bald Move Art Club, you know, <laughs> ripping stuff uh, from the show. Yeah, just a um, lot of fun yeah. in the world building. And I was so satisfied with the last episode, and yet I still have uh-huh. so many questions that aren't right. like mystery box level, so that's why I'm okay with it. But like, I have so many ongoing questions of like, how the heck did that end up there? And I just can't wait to see season two. I think it's going to be incredible. And they've added a bunch of new cast. Like, I think Gwendolyn Christie is joining the cast. Uh, a bunch of new people. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. I think um, high stakes for season two, because I think they're going to have attracted a lot of attention out of season one. Yeah. And um, how do you capture it? I think season two's I, like, I'm really nervous for uh, the bear season two. Like how if, you know, I'm assuming that they're doing a season two, but how do you capture that energy, but then take the show to the next logical place and still bring everybody along with you? That's a really difficult thing to do. I don't know. I guess we'll find out when the 87 shows coming back in 2024 <laughs> are there. Right. Just quit. We're going to quit our day jobs and we're just going to live on podcasts. Yeah. Right. We're going to get the Patreon up. By, uh, sure. Yeah. By yeah. If you want us right. to do that, subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> All right. The big moment. Um, we are agreed. We are a match in our number ones. Uh, and you could probably guess uh, because you haven't heard us say these words yet, but. Star Wars and or season one, absolutely best show of 2022. 2020-22? Keep saying that. 2022. <laughs> Andor was incredible. I was not expecting to like it. It is the only work that I know that has single-handedly got me into a fandom that I was lukewarm on. Mm-hmm. Whereas I really could not care less about the different Star Wars shows coming out. I would have gone to see a new movie, but I, I wasn't watching Mandalorian. I wasn't going to watch Book of Boba Fett. I watched Obi-Wan a little bit because I like Ewan McGregor. But I just was like, eh, you know, I like I, I liked the big stuff, but I'm not super into the lore. And now I'm right. halfway through the Clone Wars, and I've watched all of Rebels. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, David, let's cover every single Star Wars show coming out. And... It is all because of this show, because it showed me that there are stories to tell in this universe that are interesting to me. And it's not all just lasers and swords and, right. and uh, you know, member berries, as you say. Right. 
Yeah, I thought the writing was exceptional, and I, I probably have recorded plenty of times uh, where I've said this, where I really enjoyed the structure, how Tony Gilroy took a director and a writer, paired them up, gave them three episodes or two episodes or one ep- whatever the thing is. I think next year we're going into a pretty, or, or next season, we'll go into a pretty set structure of four arcs of three stories each. So that's like four feature-length movies. And that each arc had a look and a feel and a story that it was telling and beginning, middle, and end. And then to pulse the, you know, the, the multiple climactic moments across the season and still nail the final, yeah. the finale, that is just beyond, that just blows my own mind. And then so on my, my ranking score... Uh, it gets an 11, because I, n- no other show, I don't think, has done this. And um, I, it's, I think it's changed our understanding of what streaming can do. I think it's changed our understanding of what television can do. It's really pushed the boundary uh, further out. And I really hope a lot of writers are, are you know, taking a hard look at the pages that they've written and reevaluating and rethinking about what are the things that we can do that are good storytelling, where we're, we have characters who are acting from their motivations, and the plot and the conflict arise naturally from that. And to be in the world, like we felt Star Wars the entire time, right? but they weren't throwing it in our face. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just the use of practical effects to make everything feel a lot more real. I mean, it's such a contrast to the Mandalorian like digital sets. Right. And it, I just hope that people just start doing more practical effects. It just looks better, mm-hmm. guys. It looks better. CGI is never going to age well. I know it saves money, but like, ugh, it's not good. And like you said, the writing was incredible. I love the structure of it. The music as it grew throughout yeah, the season yeah. was incredible. The acting still in Skarsgård. How did how did they pull all these big names in here? Incredible. I, I don't I don't know, uh, but he's. And then, like, hidden gems. Like, I think they were talking about, um, uh, where is she? Genevieve O'Reilly. Yeah. Uh, who plays Mon Mothma, right? They were sort of, she was sort of a handover, right, from Rogue One. They're like, oh, okay, well, that's the actress who played her, so we kind of got to deal with her. She also played her in uh, the prequel trilogy. Right. And then they're like, oh, my God. Like, this woman is a genius. Yeah. Right? And, and they just gave her, they built her out a storyline that is so powerful and so potent that, um, like, that's the beauty of, of this medium is, is like, when you, when you put excellent people in, in a room and on a set together and you give them excellent dialogue and excellent direction, like, this is, this is what you can do. Andrew was great. Listen to our million podcasts about it if you want to hear more of our thoughts. We went on for, I think we had a two and a half hour season wrap. So yeah, there's plenty yeah. to listen to if you haven't heard that already. Exactly. I am, I know I was promising that I was going to do an immediate rewatch of this season. I have not because I'm trying to catch up on, on so much other watching. And that was pretty exhausting doing Andor and White Lotus overlapping. It was. But we did it. We did it. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good. I wouldn't trade it for all of Narkina Five. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, and and on another Andor note, we're gonna do some more feedback when we do our Tales of the Jedi episode, um, which comes out at the end of the month here. Um, so if you wrote in, you'll hear it. 
Well, John, this has been fun. I, I hope you had a, a good time putting together these lists. This has been an eight-course Irish breakfast on second <laughs> breakfast here. Right. Gosh, and we've gone quite, quite a while. Um, this was not a, a quick, light topic. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to 2023 and, and keeping a little bit better um, track of the things that I'm watching. You know, and I have to say, just sort of in wrapping up 2022, we look at stuff like Andor, White Lotus, House of the Dragon, Better Call Saul, The Bear. These were amazing shows that I felt like really delivered on the promise of them, right? They, they fulfilled their objective. They, they gave us what they set out to give us. They did it expertly. I, I don't know. This was just a really great year in television. And yeah. um I feel pretty lucky that we're getting to podcast about some of this stuff. Oh, same here. I mean, I, I think that this year, especially after the dry years from COVID, mm -hmm. was just one of the best years in television in, in probably like a decade. Yeah. And, you know, um, if we're building on that and, and writers and studios and producers are seeing that level of quality being delivered in the, in the response from the audience for those you know, fingers crossed that they will understand that, you know, quality is going to attract eyeballs and attract attention. Yeah. Well, let's hope. David, it's been a lovely second breakfast with you, but it's time to wrap it up. So for the next couple weeks, we have just a couple things coming out. We have on the 28th, Tales of the Jedi with Andor feedback. And on the 31st, on New Year's Eve, we're doing a Silmarillion story which is the Velaquenta with Marilyn Arpukila as our guest. We had a lovely conversation with her. We've already got that interview recorded and ready to go. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really good episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, we're doing Kaleidoscope in January, which I'm excited yes, to talk to you are. about. Yeah, this is our, I think it was just the, one of the first times, well, anyway, we're just starting to, we just made the decision and we're going to start pursuing it. It's an eight-episode, I guess you could call it experimental on, uh, in some ways. Uh, it's experimental. It's on Netflix. Apparently, you can watch the eight different episodes. They're not numbered. It's not one through eight. It's not a linear story. And apparently, depending on your algorithm, depending on what Netflix wants to serve you, they're going to um, suggest to you uh, a different episode than what I might see. And apparently you can watch any of these episodes in any order that you want, and it, the story will still make sense. So once we understand a little bit more about how they're going to deliver it, like, is the whole thing going to be available, or is it? are they only going to release it one at a time? We don't know, but we're going to probably do two episodes per podcast, so that we kind of wrap it up in, in January. Yeah, nobody wants to listen to a binge show for two months. Yeah, yeah, it's tough when they do the binge. But we don't even know if it's binge binge or some other thing. We've got to kind of wait and see. Yeah. Netflix, be more transparent. I mean, come on, guys. Come on. And uh, I got rumors swirling around uh, Wheel of Time, maybe spring 2023. They said early 2023 at an Indian right. conference, I think. Right. Like, can you just make a worldwide announcement already? Yeah. It's getting a little well, and we have some news on that too, right? Because they swapped out the the showrunner, or well, we don't know yet. We, we don't know. We don't know if the showrunner is leaving. We know that the showrunner is now working on a God of War project, which I would cover that. By the way, we should yeah, talk about interesting. that. But uh, the games are really incredible. Uh huh. Yeah. Cool. All right. 
Well, again, this is the, the only time that we're doing a public second breakfast. The patrons got this early, but if you are listening to this on the public feed, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas if you celebrate. Merry Happy Christmas Hanukkah you. if you celebrate. Um, and happy other holidays as well. Yes. Happy holidays. If you want to get this every single month, we do it uh, for our patrons, and you can get it for as little as $3 a month if you go to patreon.com slash the lorehounds. We will see you next month. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.